Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD on Twitter. I'm the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you could find at theoryofdfs.com this week. Bringing on, I, I would consider him an unheralded uh, good DFS player. Because uh, you don't see you don't see the million screenshots. You'll see a screenshot when Alex Len gets a zero, uh, <laughs> but uh, you you don't see much uh, bravado. And uh, you're primarily in the in the the add more funds uh, Slack, which uh, which I used to be kind of a part of. Whatever you're yep. you're there. You're talking to Eric Bime for he's 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 not dead, right? He's mm-hmm. around, yep. uh, but it's uh, it's Peter Lou at Boston uh-huh. Eagle Five. Uh, do yep. you, you find him, find him on the DFS contest yep, with Boston thing. Eagle five. And, uh, and I, I, we've known each other. We've never like actually talked in real life. We've known each other probably for, for yeah. four years or something. Yeah, no, yeah. That's when I started playing DFS, you know, just like everybody else, you know, I, I was probably grinding the CBS sports line, you know, Yahoo, you know, daily fantasy leagues, making four or $500 per league, you know, playing 10 of them. And then, you know, somebody at a poker game would tell me, hey, you know, there's something you can make $100,000 in one night instead. It's like, oh, well, you know, if that's the case, instead of, you know, grinding out, you know, which reliever is going to get saves the next morning or, you know, which starting pitcher might have a good matchup. I was like, why why not, you know, give this a shot? You know, you start and just like everybody, you lose. You know, it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to play anymore, you know. But then, you know, I think um, New York Bandit, I think in 2015 or 2016. And so I guess that gave me a reset. And so that's when I started playing for real in 2017 when things became legal again. You know, okay, so, so that's so how you're, I so you're in you're in New York. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in New York. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so it has those weird conditions, like they have to approve new sports or something. It's yes, one of those, yes. like you can't play college basketball, but you could play a certain other sport. Yep, it, yeah, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I came in during like, like it's weird for me to say that I started playing after Ethan Gate. Like you're a mm-hmm. little oh, bit past yeah, yeah. that. I, I remember reading about it, but yes, I, I wasn't playing during Ethan Gate. Yes, right. I definitely. But I, I mean, I wasn't it. playing at all. I mean, I found out about DFS through that, so it's kind of mm. weird. Big scandal that turned out to be nothing. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, oh, there is there there is a it's a it's more similar to poker. It's more it's yep. it's it's game theory oriented and not mm-hmm. just. I heard the commercials every once in a while because I only watch soccer, so they didn't okay. advertise on NBC Sports. Or any of the, the the soccer stuff, and so I really didn't. I heard it on some podcasts, but I just thought it was like you know. I used to play Rotisserie baseball. They had, sporting news had like a fantasy competition. Oh, mm-hmm. pick out the couple of guys with a salary and send mail yes, in, yes. and mm-hmm. maybe someone wins a million dollars. And I'm like, like there's no there's no strategy exactly, no yeah, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So then once I saw that, oh, you're playing against other people, and there's. There's something more than just I know sports to mm-hmm. this, and uh, that's that that that's when when I when I started playing. Mm-hmm. But do do you think that just like you said, you came over from your Yahoo leagues, your CBS Sports Line leagues, and then you start playing DFS, and you go, I know, I know sports. Yeah, like I should I should do well, and then you don't. Exactly. Yep. No, exactly. That's exactly what it was. It's like, well, you know, I, I know who's good. You know, it's like, you know, I, I know Albert Pujols. You know, I I know Brian Giles. That that's you know the guys who I was playing daily. You know, uh, back when I was playing Yahoo leagues, and I was like, oh, I, 
I, I know who's good. You know, these guys probably don't know anything. These guys are probably, you know, you know, noobs just like in every other thing. And then you realize that the game isn't really about, you know, knowing sports. I mean, I guess you do have to know a little bit. You know, you can watch to, to help you along. But the game is actually more about just like you said. It's about poker. It's about game theory. It's about understanding what others are trying to do and how do you leverage yourself against that, you know. And I guess that's the one thing that helped me propel myself to become a better player because I didn't learn that lesson probably until maybe two years ago, you know? So the first two years, I was just throwing away money by, you know, hey, I, I know how to pick, you know, which set of players. And, I, you know, I filled my salary cap. You know, that was the first thing I always did, too. Hey, I'm going to always fill my salary cap because that seems smart. You know, why would I ever leave money? And then you understand the other aspects of the games that, you know, nobody actually teaches you, you know, in those, you know, when you first read articles about, you know, the game. Right. I remember participating in the Add More Fun Slack and, and I, I, I'm the one like you were there, and I'm, mm-hmm. the, I'm, and I'm, I'm the one that comes across like, like an idiot. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm, no, the, I'm the one that's like, like, oh, I, I'm gonna play this team. To, I'm gonna stack this team and that team and fade that. And like, what are you doing? Like, you're not playing the high probability, like the the no brainer stuff. And I'm like, dude, this shit's random. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, it's yeah. much more random than you think. And if pe- people are underestimating people, uh, oh, th- just like an MMA. This past this past weekend, I played a bunch of like the biggest underdog on the slate mm-hmm. because it's a heavyweight fight. The guy's coming back from five years of without a fight. Okay, but heavyweight fights. I don't know if you, Peter, do you play MMA DFS? Uh, I don't play it because I'm not I'm not good enough at it. But I mean, I watch it and I understand heavyweights get knocked out. You know, that, that right? One punch, one right? Punch. Like it doesn't matter who's That's the it. favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you make yep. one mistake and you're dead. And this and, and oh he hasn't fought in five years or four and a half years. It's yeah. like that could be a good that could be a bad thing. Most people mm-hmm. treated it as a bad thing. Of like this guy had, had fights canceled, right? He may not be he, he made weight. Mm-hmm. And but they're like, you know, and he wasn't even that good of a heavyweight like five years ago. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, this the the, the Castro is gonna crush Dan Ho and he's mm-hmm. a minus three thirty five favorite. <laughs> and it's like minus three thirty five is not Minus three thirty five. Well, you're like not even a ninety percent favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and this guy, this, this underdog's going to be owned at like five to seven percent. And mm-hmm. I'm like, based on the probability, and 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 the underdog is under seven k. I mean, like, it's like, dude, if this if this guy wins, he's in the optimal. I mean, like, there's no mm-hmm. way for him not to be in the optimal at sixty eight hundred with a knockout at his price, and he's owned under his win probability. Mm-hmm. So like. So why tell me why I shouldn't take that? Well, he hasn't. For, well, who knows? What, what, four and a half years? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's Superman now. Who knows? Exactly. And and I think that's the difficult part. And that's why I like listening to your podcast. You know, I'm on it now. But you know, it's that uh, people. It's it's not that people don't understand the math. Obviously, people understand the math. Well, I think some people don't understand. I think some people don't understand the math. <laughs> I, I guess that I, I guess I might be giving too much, you know, people too much credit. That I guess that's true. But the people who do understand the math, it's still very difficult for them to to say, hey, this guy's a minus four hundred favorite. Why am I playing, you know, forty percent of my lineups against this guy? You know, it's very. I think it's a. I think Cheese was on last week and he was discussing about this too. I think there's a certain mental block when it comes to actually putting your money on the line and. I I think that's the, I guess, I wouldn't say it's the biggest, but it's one of the biggest uh, obstacles for somebody to become a better player where they have to understand it's sort of like poker where you're jamming it all in on a flush draw, even though you know you have the right odds, but you have to have the, you know, like the idea that this is what I should be doing. And, you know, the money doesn't actually matter until we see the outcome. You know, I think well, that's so, Well, the, you see the outcome in a large part. sample size. You, it, jam, it, well, exactly, you yeah. jam in on a, like what, what in poker, like your example mm-hmm. is like, let's say there's one card to come. 
Let's just say there's one card mm-hmm. to come. It's like uh, like a little over four to one for you to hit your flush, mm-hmm. and you're jamming as a bet because you're now combining the four to one odds of you hitting plus the fold equity. Yep. Right. Because remember, like you yep. you have yep. to figure if, if if I get the range his range of hands correctly, my opponent, like maybe I I estimate that he'll fold. 20% of the, if, if I estimate I'll phone 50% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the, and there's 800 bucks in the pot and my jam is for, is for, for $600. Mm-hmm. Like, and if he's going to fold half the time, like I should, that, that's you what should I should do. be yeah. doing. That's what yep. I should be doing. Mm-hmm. If this specific hand, mm-hmm. he, he folds or he calls and mm-hmm. if he calls and it gets and made, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, like, at, at exactly. the result yeah. as of this point, whatever happens after that, you were, you were positive expected value. Yep. So as long as you continue to make those plus EV decisions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now the problem, the problem comes in is if that's your last $600 and you're homeless. Yes. Now, yeah, now, exactly. now we talk, start talking into risk. Now, now, we're, now we're talking Ruin about risk management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's yep. just like, yeah. do you want to, it's a very similar thing in a poker tournament to like, do you want to be all in on the first hand? Like you can't mm-hmm. win the tournament. Yep. In the mm-hmm. first hand, so are 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 you more the 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 getting from ten thousand to twenty thousand in chips in a fifteen hundred person tournament doesn't mm-hmm. mean all that much. Should you be mm-hmm. now? You may be in a spot where you're you're ninety ten, mm-hmm. but like should should you be looking for those spots? Like maybe yeah. maybe not because. The, your risk of, I mean, you, but you have to weigh that. But so many people, uh, you say it's a mental block with the, the money on the line. I think it's more of a mental block with uh, short-term thinking. Like that, yes, the fact, the fact that, that, yes. that, that, especially mm-hmm. in baseball, high variance. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Where, well, you know me, I, the, it, it, there's a cheap stack out there. I most <laughs> yeah. likely have it. Uh, Tonight's probably the Tigers. Right, <laughs> I, right. Yesterday was the Marlins. Yeah, of course, <laughs> right. Uh Adam Duvall was only three percent owned on Fanduel. Yeah. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it, and I had like I had like twenty-seven like percent yeah. of him. Right? No, I'm like okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get that. I mean, I made profit, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the first. Yep. But mm-hmm. the, just the fact of like, like my whole DFS career is not dependent on like this one slate. Like to, yep. today's slate, in the grand scheme of things, is like one hand of poker when playing a session of nine hundred hands. Mm-hmm. So yep. the the outcome of one hand of poker, like. Mentally, I don't treat it as like, oh my God, if I lose this hand, I'm never going to make that decision ever again. But you see that in DFS. So how, yes. how do you, you said like until like two years ago, mm-hmm. you were, you may not have been playing all that well. Like how did you mm-hmm. transition from like it? I, I call it nonlinear thinking. Like okay. it's kind of like probabilistic thinking, nonlinear mm-hmm. thinking where it's like, I'm going to try to make the best decisions today and then just like detach the results of of one slate from it, but I mean I'm not detaching the results. I'm I'm looking at my results over the course of a season. Yeah. Like then mm-hmm. if it's like if I played 180 slates and I'm like, wow, maybe I made a lot of bad decisions because uh, I I lost a lot of money this season. Then I could do that. But the same thing in poker of like if you've been losing money at poker for the, for a year straight playing every day, like there has to be things you're doing wrong. Exactly, but in the course yeah. of one hand, mm-hmm. like you can't judge that. You can't. Like, oh, what was the correct decision? I, I view it, the, the, the analogy I give in poker is it seems like so many people, like that flush draw example, mm-hmm. people are, are, and that's why that's why they get annoyed with my answers, right? Because <laughs> what, what I view it is that they're asking me, 
instead of should you, you're, you're talking about should you jam with the flush draw? And it's like, if we played this slate out a, a, a thousand times, a hand thousand times, will I show a positive return? Will I make money with this, with this decision? Mm-hmm. And the answer will be yes, so I do it. But so many people are asking is, uh, do you think a heart's coming out on the on the river? Yes, right. Yes. And it's They're like, like I know it's four to about four point one to one, but like on this specific hand, how the yeah. fuck am I supposed to know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to your question, um, I was I was charting. You know, um, I think uh, I think I've said this in a tweet before, but I think one of the most important things you should be doing if you're going to do this, even as a hobby, you know, I, I say hobby is probably if you're playing like. 50 bucks a night, you know, but you're playing every night, you should always chart your results. I think charting your results is very, very important. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, to, to a T, you know, every single thing you're trying to chart down, but you should chart your results and what you're doing well in and, you know, what type of lineups the better players are doing. And I, th- I know you did that. I, I did that when I first started too, because it's like, you know, you see Osmo at the top of every standing. Why would you not try to copy his lineups? You know, you know, you, you can't copy his lineups to a T, but you can copy his concepts and what he's trying to do. You know, that's how I learned about stacking, you know, because at first I I wasn't stacking in be- in baseball either. You, know, you were just stacking picking. in baseball even when you started? No, no. And that, oh, that's yeah, now mean. you were throwing money away. Yeah, I, it definitely was. And then uh, just a couple of years ago, that's um, – it's funny. You know, uh, now I'm very, very uh, uh, into the Add More Fun Slack. But Add More Fun first started as a tool. You know, it actually started as a tool. I was one of those nerds who was like, hey, this is the X-Mobile versus uh, Curveballs. This was the X-Mobile versus Splitters. Let me try to dig who's going to hit a home run because, you know, he hits Splitters well and this guy throw, you know. And then uh, I think they opened their Slack just, you know, first started and that's how I got into it and I started talking to people there I think Eric was one of the first people who I talked to and they were like well this doesn't matter on a you know on a daily basis anymore it's a daily fantasy game but it's your results matter only at the end of the year you know if you win a tournament on day one and you lose the rest of the year you know you're still probably gonna be profitable so it doesn't matter if you lose 159 slates you know and I think poker really helped with that because poker is the same thing you you lose one night you lose you know four nights maybe five nights in a row it's okay as long as you you know you make profit on the sixth night and i think that concept once talking to eric i figured out that hey this is what you know you should be treating daily fantasy as as you know and so instead of treating it as oh i had a losing month you would chart all your results for the year and then you put them all together and even then you know i think two years ago i was still a break-even player you know i didn't i didn't um have a, a big winning season till last year, you know, you know, COVID is pretty funny, but you know, I think that's the thing that people need to understand. And I get guests, you know, that they need to chart their results in my opinion. And once you chart your results, you can see where your improvement is at. And just like your poker thing, if you're losing six months in a row, you, you need to figure out what's making you lose and how to improve that. If you want to be a profitable player, you know, if you're trying to have fun, you're just trying to have fun. That's, you know, but I personally believe that everybody's trying to have fun until you lose money, you know, and then you're trying to make money. <laughs> but you said you were looking into a lot of the stuff. I did that also when I started, when I started playing, when I moved from soccer into, and I, my next sport was baseball. I started in 2016 in MLB and I tried to do a very similar thing of like, I'm going to analyze, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying pitch effects data and all that type of stuff. And I spent so much time to get at the end to realize that it doesn't matter. Like I, 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 learned, I mean, I, it's not like I just woke up and it's just like nothing matters. Nine, I'm, I'm the nihilistic DFS player. 
of like anything you look at doesn't matter. It's four at bats. Who cares? Right. Right. When did meet life is meaningless to play whoever you want. It, it, nothing matters. Uh, other than what your opponents are playing that matters. Yes. Uh, I did the same thing, but every, every time I would dig into stats now, I come from an analytics background. I come from, I was a computer programmer. I, yes, so I'm like I have, I have, I, I know, I, I know the statistical concepts, the math, the poker. I mean, I came from that. And then I would just analyze all this data and go like, this is not predictive. Like there's no, this, like it, see, it, it, it seems like if you think about it, go, well, if I knew who did this, he, if, even if he's 5% more likely to hit a home run or if that's an edge or something. And I just look and I go, none of this is predictive. And then I look at stuff that people talk about and I go, it's predictive, but like this, it's, it's this much predictive, very, like very minimally, but people treat it like it's this predictive. Like, yes. so it's like that's to me, that was the light, that was the light bulb. Of mm. once once I find find out, especially in baseball, where there's a lot of stats, mm-hmm. once you find out that 99% of what you're looking at doesn't matter, like has a very minimal effect, yet there are certain things that the field will treat. Like when if, if you say the correlation, uh, if the correlation coefficient is is for this stat is 0.04, but people are treating it like 0.28. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's the edge of people. Like, well, I gotta, pl- I gotta play uh, Nelson Cruz against a lefty. All of a sudden, he's ten percent more owned than he should be. JD Martinez against the lefty, right? Where you got the lefty masters, you get oh Matt Harvey's pitching, right? You know, or whoever some some gas can that everyone knows is a gas can <laughs> used to be Bartolo Colon, yes, right? Yes. Oh, I gotta play oh Bartolo Colon, and then that stack. If you look through, if you did an actual projection model. The stack would rate out. Well, I mean, it's not like it's not like people were stupid and like like no, no, it's a great spot, but it's still it's it's almost twice as over. It's over owned. It's like yes. twice as owned because yeah. people are treating mm-hmm. these predictive elements as way too predictive than they are. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that that to me that's the edge. It's figuring out. It's weird to say, figuring out what doesn't matter may mean may be more important to you than figuring out what does. No, no, I, I completely agree with that. It's that many people are trying to find reasons for things. Yeah, you know, I guess this is a human thing. It's like, oh, you know, uh, this guy hit a home run. Let me find out why. You know, you know, uh, this guy didn't. You know, he didn't strike out as many times as I thought. Why? You know, and the thing is, a lot, like you said, a lot of that doesn't matter, especially when you're talking about DFS. You know, we're not talking about making a model. We're not talking about trying to perfect. You know, perfect it. Um, a predictive model every day of what guys are trying to do. You know, we're trying to we're trying to figure out what guys are trying to do tonight. Obviously, it's still a game. We're trying to predict things, but we're not trying to predict it in such a a way that has to be framed that we have to be able to explain it. You know, maybe somebody hit a foul home run and that doesn't show up in the box score. You know, and that that was your chance that you missed out on. You know, that that type of thing happens in DFS. You know, and I guess when people try to explain every little detail that's happening, it, it also happens in the NBA. It's like, oh, how come this guy shot six for 27? It's like, well, you know, maybe he just had a bad night. You know, maybe his leg was hurting and you didn't know. You know, and so those type of things you don't need to understand, you know, when you're trying to make lineups, you know, what I I guess the most important thing is that what other people are trying to do. If uh, like you were saying, that's the edge is that if other people are trying to, you know, trying to figure out, well, um, let's use an example. I think I just saw Terry Rozier was doubtful today. Right. Um, 
Devontae Graham tonight, you know, is going to shoot really poorly because the Lakers do really well about the point guards. Well, that may be important, you know, over a sample of 82 games if they're playing the Lakers every night. But if we're talking about just tonight, you know, that's not as important as if you're, you know, as if let's say he's 85 percent owned, you know, and it's just a bad spot, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Because also understand with a lot of those a lot of those basketball ones, it's like, well, what's a point guard? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that's the problem yep. with those statistics. But the thing is, people will I, it's 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 one of those things like people will ask me. It's like, oh, do you read content? Do you mm-hmm. listen to podcasts? And I go, yes. And I go, but I thought I thought you said nothing matters. I, I thought you say you just look at the numbers. You look at the projections. You build your lineups. The names on a spreadsheet. Why are you reading content? Why are you listen to content? Because I want to know what everyone else is doing. Right. I, 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 I don't I literally don't care about anyone else's opinions. I just want to I just want to know that, uh, well, according to ownership projections, he's 14 percent. But I've seen this name across like three articles and four podcasts. And there's a narrative of this like he's going to be 22 percent owned. And then because of that, it's a it, now there's a domino effect of, well, that now that stack's going to be more owned. And that means this picture is going to be more. Now everything starts morphing and then you can start to see where the field, where what these chalk lineups are going to start looking like more often than not. And then go, it's overowned. This, this, this is, it's, it's, yes, it's the highest probable scenario, but it's the probability of it occurring is more than what it, than that is, is lower than what it's going to be owned, which means there are probabilities that are much lower that are going to be owned even, even lower than that. Mm -hmm. And then, especially in MLB, where I'm more of a multi entry player, I'm saying to myself, I'm building 100 lineups tonight and, uh, I could play eight different teams and just like, mm-hmm. and like what teams I'm going to play, whoever I believe is under owned or whatever, doesn't mean I don't play the high probability play. You know, if I'm going to play the chalk Oakland stack, I'm going to pair it with a, a, a 1% on pitcher. Or uh, if I'm playing a four, four on FanDuel, it's Oakland plus Marlins and the Marlins are 2% owned. It's like, okay, you could do those types of things, but building, you know, lineups, not players, same thing in baseball lineups, not stacks, not pitchers, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, but if you ask me like, well, who do you like to like, what, what is, who do I, dude, I'm, but do you, do you see where the criticism, I don't want to call it criticism, but the back, the backlash from someone that has not switched over to the game theory side, they still think it's about predicting outcomes that they take a look at my style and go, well, all you're doing is throwing shit against the wall. I mean, like. Like how how do you replicate what I do other than there's like a just it, to to them it looks like I'm just throwing shit against the wall, and they think that I'm the like like well how do you win this way and I go yeah. well I lose ninety four percent of the time and I go oh you lose ninety four percent of the time why should I listen to you it's like yeah because I make I made fifty thousand dollars losing ninety four percent of the time and they just don't how is that possible it's like yeah because the six percent of the time I win I win first place I win second place I win third place. It's like, but how, but you're going to be wrong so often. I go, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I know that's why I'm playing eight fucking stack. That's why that, that's why it's a 12 game slate. And I have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but they're all individually, all those stacks are positive EV. I just don't, I don't know which one it's going to be today. So I want a nice smooth out my smooth out the variance instead of like, oh, I'm just going all in on the Marlins today. It's like, like not why, why? I mean, you can, but do I want to risk 180 slates if I need to go all in on a 1% team every day? 
I may miss the right 1% team on every single day. And at the end of the year, I'm down $70,000. It's like, no, okay, I'll diversify a little bit more. And I'll just like give myself little shots, little, you know, take mm-hmm. little shots here, little shots there. But, but Peter, you could understand that someone that, like, you understand what I'm doing. We look yes, at the top players. We yeah. see that their, their, their portfolios are very diversified. Yes. But when it comes to someone asking you for advice on, you know, how to play MLB DFS better, and, and your, your response is, uh, find a couple of stacks, stack them yeah. up, and press the button and mm-hmm. hope for the best. It's like, mm-hmm. how is... How's that? Pro- they're expecting you to. You, you must pour into Statcast data and all like, yes. like, 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 dude. Like, I can make lineups in seven minutes. Like, I don't know what you're. I can make a hundred lineups in seven minutes with no problem. And I just, I, I'm the this, 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 these pictures. This, do you make you run a couple of times because maybe you get a weird one off. Every, you know, like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to. You start, have too much of somebody, right? Right. You want to be a little bit more diversified, so you start cutting down some stuff, and then then you, you upload it, and then uh, there you go, you're done. It's like. That people are thinking that people are spending like six hours trying to build their lineups, and it's like, nope, seven minutes. Yeah, and that's the thing. So <laughs> I consider myself a you know a regular person because I have a nine to five job, you know, and I still play DFS. And people ask, it's like, well, how do you how do you do so well and also have your other job? It's like, well, I focus on my other job, and then near lock when all the lineups are out, I figure out what the field is doing because by by that time, Jamino does a really good job of ownership. You know, I'll, I'll run the optimal and I'll try to figure out what others do, and then that's where your baseline is. You know. You know, you look at a slate, most slates, like today I think is a very, very pitching heavy slate, but most slates, you know, you're going to like, like you said, 12 stacks, you know, and then you start eliminating one by one, you know, but then when you click your, you know, I, I play in the 20 max all the time, you know, and I'll play five or six stacks in the 20 max. People are, you know, sometimes say that's too much. And I'm like, well, I, I don't want to, you know, like you said, I don't want to go all in on, you know, like a 4% team and, you know, strike out, you know, I just want to, you know, play these I guess baseball has maybe 200 slates or so. I want to play these 200 slates, and then I want to even out when I'm going to hit them. You know, it's like going all in all the time. You know, one stack is a little difficult. You know, so I think I think the backlash. You know, like you said, it's it's obviously not the right approach for them, right? I think it just takes them time to understand. You know, it's it's hard for them because they see the big screenshots. I think you've talked about this on a previous pod. It's like they see these big screenshots. They think, oh, these people are winning all the time. They must know what they're doing. You know, they must have some perfect model that can, you know, figure out who the best plays are. And in reality, I, I always tell them the same thing. It's actually much, much simpler than that. It's that you figure out what the field is trying to do. You know, you make a good lineup, you know, and like you were saying, you know, hey, uh, if I'm playing the... 35% own Dodgers today, you know, maybe I need to find a 2% pitcher and a 2% three man, you know, in order to put that together. Or maybe I'm not playing the 35% Dodgers and then I can play the two chalkiest pitchers, you know, Bauer, you know, Bauer. And I think uh, tonight, you know, I forgot who it was, but Bauer and Bieber, you know, so right. it's that they need to understand, uh, you know, when, the, you know, obviously I'm sure you get text of who do you like tonight? And I just list off six pitchers and six hitters. And, you know, they, I, to me, that's very helpful. To them, it's probably not very helpful, but they, you know, I think it just takes a certain mindset. Uh, just like everything, it probably takes a lot of experience in playing more contests. You know, I always tell everybody who's trying to start, you know, start in the dime, start in the quarter, 20 max though. Play as many lineups as you can just so you can understand the concepts of, hey, which lineups are good and which lineups are bad. Because eventually, just like just like we're talking about sample sizes of baseball players and everything, sample sizes of DFS contests are the same exact thing. It's that if you see, you know, hey, this lineup is trying is winning a certain percentage of the time 
you know, today and tomorrow and the next day, then you understand that that's the type of build you want to make, you know, and this goes across all sports because that's actually how, you know, I became, you know, my, I guess, you know, my quote unquote hot streak has started, you know, because it actually started uh, during COVID last year for esports because I knew nothing about esports, you know, it was just some video game that people are playing. But I took the concepts that I understood from all the other sports. I was copying, hey, what is Brick doing? You know, what is awesome? I see them all the top all the time, you know? And so you understand that what they're trying to do with their lineups is what you should be trying to do with your lineups, you know? Right, same thing with MMA. I played MMA during COVID. I never watched MMA. I watched MMA long, I mean long, before they had rules, MMA, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, the Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, mm-hmm. like way, way long ago, before... Before John McCarthy, you know that that <laughs> they when they, when they would fight three times in a night and there wouldn't mm-hmm. be any weight classes, right? Like that that type mm-hmm. of shit. But taking the concepts of like, okay, let me take a look at results DB, and I took the concepts of Showdown. I basically said like, how many op? It's an eleven fight card. There's only twenty two options, and it's a contest with sixty eight thousand entries. So obviously, this is all about getting uniques. Like the, your your EV is going to get cut dramatically if you're if you're playing duplicated lineups. So, of course, if you're aiming for uniques, you're going to be building lineups that are fucked up. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right, completely. That that yeah. the win probability goes way down. But when you win, you win first place by yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that that's a concept. I mean, it's I didn't have to know anything about MMA other than how do I build if I'm playing fifty lineups? How do I build? 50 unique lineups or close to like it doesn't have to be unique unique yes yes you could leave you could leave 17,000 just like in basketball right you go oh leave 17,000 at the yeah likelihood of that winning is going to be mm-hmm. almost nothing yeah uh so it'll be unique just have no win equity whatsoever uh so in MMA that that's that's what I do so like do I have to know MMA now I mentioned before the concept of obviously in the higher weight classes it's a more powerful punch. There's more that those are higher variance fights, and typically in the higher weight classes they're also slower, which means it's a three round fight. Either there's going to be it could be a first round knockout and one guy gets 140 points, or the winner of this fight doesn't score more than 50, right? Because then nothing happens. They end yep. up clenching. So it's like some people look at that and go, oh, they see the the odds and they go, I need to have both sides of the fight. And I go, if if that's the consensus of people are going to be loading up on this heavyweight fight, maybe I'm building more unique lineups. Now all this ownership's going there. And I'm like, dude, if this goes to the decision, anyone with any, either, either of these fighters on this is dead. Yeah, yeah. Their lineup's mm-hmm. dead. And I look at the ownership and like one, one, one fighter's 32% owned, the other fighter's 28% owned. It's like, dude, any lineup that doesn't have this fight in it beats 60% of the field. Now, it doesn't mean I don't play that fight. It just means that since the field is overestimating, I'm going to, I'm going to go, like, they'll be smattered, you know, they'll be in lineups that I could find that are going to be unique with them in it. And then the thing, ha- the thing that happens, that we go back to the originally said, that someone will say to me, this, this happens all the time, uh, in any sport, or like in MMA, like, it's like, okay, I'm going to build a bunch of lineups without the main event. So a lot of people, like, automatically, it's like, they got to take one side of the main event because it's a five-round car. Five, yeah. It's a five-round mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. But they're, but sometimes it's not optimal. So, I mean, sometimes other fight, fights get there. And they go, you go, well, what, hap- what, well, what happens if, what happens if the 60% on favorite in the main event wins and gets 120 points? You know what I say? Then I lose. Then, yes. Then I, <laughs> then I, then I lose. When, what happens if I shove with the flush draw? 
get called and the flush doesn't come in. Well, well, then I lose. And is it, and you, so you're okay with losing? I said, is, is DFS going away? <laughs> is, 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 is today the last slate of DFS ever? Right? Is it the correct decision? Yes. So I'm going to do it. Even if it's low probability. If I show a positive return doing so, right? I mean, it's, to me, that's the mentality. I think, I think overall, the more that you could get to that type of mentality, which it's na- it comes natural to me. So it's, that's why it's hard for me to understand. Mm-hmm. I played poker for so long that, like that, you have to think like that. that you can't be mm-hmm. a good poker player without if you if you're gonna base <laughs> your whole thing on one hand. I mean, like, come on, you're playing mm-hmm. even live. You're playing like thirty hands an hour. So like, you can't. But obviously, you've seen bad players. You like playing at tables where where a person gets tilted over the course of one hand. Typically, they're bad yes. players, and then they mm-hmm. start tilting even more. So like, I get so unlucky. Last time I hit the flush, this time I got to hit the flush, or this dealer is unlucky. Like, you want to play against those people. But don't, but don't you think that, that if you could think in terms of, like, outside of one slate and process over results, like, almost all the other things tend to fall into place more. Because I, I, don't, think you could, I don't think you could think in terms of, like, sample size when it comes to stats or think in terms of, of playing lower probability plays that are positive expected value versus I got to play the best plays, the quote, best play, that probability, uh, chalky stuff. But the main, the, to me, the overarching thing is thinking is that, that long-term, that, that large sample size type of thinking where, like, I'm not concerned about getting it right today. I'm concerned about getting it more right than others over a year or three years or five years. Don't you, don't you think that's like the central, like you can't do anything else well without thinking outside of the span of one slate? Yep, no, com- completely agree. And I think that's the uh, somewhat difficult part for other people too, especially all the losing. You know, I think that's also part of it too. It's that, you know, that, you know, if it's hard to tell yourself, it, well, I guess, well, let's start with the easy part. It's easy to tell yourself that you're making the right decision today. You know, let's say, you know, you, you fade the Dodgers today and they go for 11 runs. You're like, oh, oh, well, you know, it was still the right decision. These guys are 45%. You do that six days in a row. You lose six days in a row. Eventually, you're, you know, uh, I mean, for, for us, you know, we played for so long that it's okay. You know, we understand how it is. But for other people, it's hard. It's like, well, that's it. The next time I have to play the Dodgers because, you know, these guys went out for 11. And then that day they get shut out. And then they're like, oh, well, what is this? You know, and then they just, you know, it for them, it's like it, you, you have they, um, the mentality for certain people has to, you know, it's difficult for them to change their mindset. But for, like you said, I think in order to become a better player, that has to be what you're thinking. Your thinking cannot be over one slate. It can't, it probably can't even be over a week. You know, it has to be, you know, a season, like you said, three seasons, five seasons. It just has to be a long enough sample for you to realize that, hey, I'm doing well enough that I am making the right decision. And I guess unless somebody wins, you know, maybe the first week or the first, you know, first month, it's hard for them to understand that concept until they actually win it, you know? But the thing is, you have to see that other winning players have this mindset, and that's why you have to change your mindset, even if you're not winning at the certain time. You know, right? Like winning players, I'm I'm in I'm in a Discord with a bunch of top GPP players. Like the number one thing that 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 during a slate is rooting against the chalk. Yes, like yes. My, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like, like it's almost yes. like uh you know you know whoever's the chalk is on the slate, it's like damn chalk donkeys got there again, and like no one's no one's winning. Right. And like, it's like the chalk gets there. 
Tournament good tournament players are typically are typically eating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you on might that. get some money back, but you're not going right, to win. Right, but you're not yeah. you're not you're not gonna win first place or anything. But that's but it seems like the word the bad players, the ones I need to play what like we have the, the age old question, what's good chalk and bad chalk? And mm-hmm. I always say that those are descriptive terms. Agreed. Like yeah. you could say over owned or under owned, you could say stuff, but good and bad impl- it implies that that this, that yeah, big, all, they're chalk and they're going to do well, and this chalk is not going to like. You're still thinking in terms of one game and one slate. It's more the fact of is is the forty percent on guy going to be in the winning lineup forty percent of the time or twenty percent of the time or ten percent of the time? And it's like okay, to me that's what bad chalk is, but it's really it's over owned. There's still the highest probability. Like we, yep. we see a lot of times especially in NBA because NBA is lower variance and mm-hmm. injuries and pricing ends up being so inefficient that it's like this, this $4,500 guy has like a median of like 10 X <laughs> and it's like, like you see all the top players, they just jam him in. I mean like, like, and if he doesn't get there, does it get all, oh, he was bad shock. It's like, no, he was good shock. It's like, but he was 88% owned. Yeah. And he had a 95% chance <laughs> of, of yeah. putting up Hitting 40 points. Yeah. Right. So, but, People view. I think the bad chalk, good chalk, is a, is a byproduct of that one slate mentality, mentality. right? Mm-hmm. And going well, and then 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 people start tr- stringing them together. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yes. what you could always tell that that, that, that you're you're never you're not even close. We're like, well, chalk hit today, which means it can't hit tomorrow, or it's, <laughs> or chalk has been hitting, so I'm yeah. going to continue playing. Like the dude, like. Yeah. These are the same people that look at the roulette wheel thing and it's like, oh, well, yeah, red's like been going, reds, right? Yeah. Like it's like, dude, it's 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 thirty eight <laughs> numbers on a wheel, right? I mean, like yeah. it's, it's it's gonna be whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But I think I think I think I think that that if I were to call it the 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 detriment to most DFS players is that that one slate mentality. Yes. Instead of that long period of time. But I mean, yeah, I how, how do you how do you functionally do the, do do you think that I know that I'm not an emotional person like I I I've, I've gotten beaten in poker in the I mean the bad beats go on forever one outers whatever the fuck's going on like I've seen it all so like to me like losing in DFS on getting blanked brick completely like it doesn't affect it. it Barely, barely. At, oh, a, a big downswing, it will affect. You know, a $30,000 downswing? Yeah, it, it sure. affects yeah, you're human. For me to yeah. say that it doesn't affect you, it, it would be lying. It doesn't affect me as great as other people, but there's some people that lose, you know, lo- you know, they're playing 50 bucks and they, they go 50 to zero and they're on tilt for the rest of the day. Di- I'm like, how, you? to me, I, I can't, I, how do you get better? Because I, I, to me, that's the, that's, that is the, one slate mentality because no one with a with more than a one slate mentality would be tilting over if you're playing one one percent or less of your bankroll per slate or even five percent of your bankroll less per slate there should be no reason to tilt over the results you should be playing <laughs> i you could say this over and over I, i'm trying to figure out because I, I like teaching people you know that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah of course yeah that's why you have your course yeah right uh that 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 you're going to lose because people's expectations in DFS, I think, are insanely high. Yeah, of and like, part of that is screenshots. I think that's part of it. You know, 
Right, but that's confirmation bias because you're seeing different people and different. Yes. They're right, mm-hmm. but the fact is, is like I like you can ask so many people, like, oh, how often do you think I I, I profit in GPPs in NBA or and, and, and profit meaning I put in X amount of entries and get more yep. back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then most of them got uh, uh, more than half the time, or like, mm-hmm. dude, I lose ninety percent of the time. Almost every mm-hmm. every top GPP player loses money ninety percent of the time, but no one talks. No one. No one. It they no one talks about that, but and and it how do you how do you get people into that mindset of that? And I I always quote Drew Dinkmeyer because I think his quote his quote is the perfect. I try to use his quote as 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 how to teach people. It's not about how how often you win; it's about how much you win when you do. Yes, right. It's not it's not about win, winning if you're winning fifty percent if you're profiting fifty percent of the time. Playing GPPs, profiting, which means it could be a dollar. You're getting back, you're, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right, just whatever. Which means you're cashing more often. I'm pretty sure with a 15% rake at the end of the year, if you actually put your results into RotoTracker, you're down. Yes, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I was I'm, one of those. I'm, I mean, I've shown my tracker too. Yeah, I was one who was cashing 54% in lottos, and especially the lotto, because, you know, when you min cash, it's what, one point. 5x now it's not even like you know so yeah you know i was one of those players so i definitely understand that you know but Um, it gives you it it lulls you into like well i'm putting in 100 and i'm getting back 105 or i'm putting in 100 and getting back 98 and then you see some of your lineups like maybe coming like 112th and you're like well i'm getting closer and it's like 112th and first is a way to like and you take a look at that lineup and it's like it's on a day where like the chalk like smashed but of course, you didn't have the other four percent owned guy that hit two home runs, so like you couldn't have gotten past 112. You you had, in fact, your lineup that came in 112 had less chance of winning than a lineup that came up came in 58,000th place. Like, but people like you say that to someone, and it's like, how could the lineup that I that had the best plays in it that came in 112? Be a way worse lineup than a lineup that is like, like almost next to last place, that has like two two percent on stacks in it. It's like, well, your the win condition of your your lineup is like, like dude, dude, it was duplicated three times. Like 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 in MLB on a large slate, if your lineup is duplicated, that means you fucked up. I mean, yeah, I mean you yeah. fucked up somehow. Yeah, any duplicated lineup on anything probably bigger than an eight gamer is you messed up somehow if somebody else landed on it as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think the the easiest thing that I would say, you know, I guess, you know, I, w- I guess I shouldn't say easy, but I think if you lose, it's actually kind of better. You know, like almost the more you lose, the more you understand that, oh, this actually isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. You know, it's like, you know, losing one day or two days, you know, you can convince yourself, like you said, oh, but I got back 20 bucks the other day. It's okay. I- I'm probably doing well anyway, you know, but if you lose for like a week in a row, and that's how you know that you're making good lineups. That's almost better for your your DFS game than winning, you know, forty bucks, you know, four nights in a row. Yeah, but because, most people lose a week in a row. Mo- I would say most average DFS players aren't building good lineups. Mm-hmm. Well, they're lo- they're not losing because they're not losing the same <laughs> way that we're losing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, yeah. but but to me, that's a cop out because we're. It, it, how is someone st- supposed to know? Me and you, we can play MLB. That we we've been playing what almost two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Of MLB. I think I've profited in GPPs twice 
in 14 yeah, days. I, yeah. Profited and profited by like 20 bucks. I mean, like, uh, well, fucking I finished stupid. third of the GPP, but yes. okay, okay. So, you okay, yeah. Mr. Mr. Big, <laughs> but I, but it's the same concept, right? Same concept, right? It's like, mm-hmm. so it's like, but oh, I've lost 12 days, but my losing were good lineups and your losing was bad lineups. Like, how is anyone supposed to know? Like, how is anyone supposed to know objectively? Like what that is, because there's still plenty of times that I build a hundred lineups and then I somehow in the slate, because I wasn't paying attention, I look at some of the lineups and go, yeah, if I would like, I, I look at 20 of the lineups and I go, I think these 20 lineups were bad. I may have built 80 good lineups, but these 20, like they weren't paired together. I'm not talking about diversification, just like, like this one off is here. And I, if I would have looked at this, I would have switched this out. Because it would have given me more leverage not to have this guy in who had the other guy in, but it just so happened to fit the optimize, you know, it fit the the right right variables. Uh, but but normal average DFS players, they just see winning and losing lineups. So so how am I how am I supposed to tell people that oh my losing lineups are good and your losing lineups are bad? <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds really awful when you say it like that. But I think that's just uh, experience and like in and as I keep saying earlier, you learn from the best. I mean, uh, I'm never afraid to say something that oh I don't know or this person is a better you know player than me. You know, I think once you understand, you know, or put in your mindset that, hey, you don't know everything, you know, like, you know, it's it's that you know, you can try to become better every single day. But at a certain at a certain point in time, there probably is somebody who's better than you. And that's what you should be learning from, you know. So um, I guess I would never phrase it to them that, hey, you know, this is a horrendous lineup, you know, but I would be something like, hey, this might have a little too much chalk. Did you ever think about leveraging this one spot because you're too overowned, you know, in your five man or something like that? You know, I guess that's the best way I would tell, you know, losing players to see how they can improve, you know, try to understand your lineups, you know. I don't like the overall. You know how sometimes they talk about uh, cumulative ownership. Right. I don't like that sometimes because it's like you know every slate is different. You know, you know today's slate might be different than tomorrow's. Might be different, you know, from the next day. It's that you have to understand how your lineup looks. Uh, and I think this also goes into contest selection. You know, because what your lineup looks like in a certain contest can be completely different. Uh, a quote unquote good lineup in this contest would be a bad lineup in another contest. You know, so let's let's talk about, let's say, the lotto. You know, you're trying to, you know, get every single perfect, you know, guy who hits three. You know, uh, I think uh, he uh, Higiosha yesterday, right? Hit two home runs. If you don't have him in the lotto, you can't win. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter over the rest of your lineup, you know. But if you're playing a smaller contest, you know, you know, you shouldn't be focusing on trying to predict, you know, who the best players are, you know, trying to hit every perfect spot. You're just trying to build a good lineup that has correlation and has a little bit of leverage, you know. So. A good lineup in that would be, you know, a standard 5-3 that has, you know, a low on stack, you know. But if you're playing the lotto, you may have to switch that to a 5-1-1-1 or something, you know, in order to to make that the lineup that can hit first. Because especially, I think also a, a thing, maybe people do notice this. I'm not 100% sure. I can't speak for others. It's that all these tournaments are top heavy. It's that so, you know, like your, your example, finishing 112th is what, like, 140 bucks, you know, finishing first is a hundred thousand dollars. So all your lineups have to have first place equity, you know, it can't have min cash equity, you know, obviously that comes with it, but you have to make every lineup that has, you know, win equity. And I think that's the thing that determines whether or not your lineup is good or bad, you know, and 
what for a person to figure out objectively whether or not it's good or not, I think that just takes time. You know, you just have to look at other people's lineups. You have to be honest with yourself. I think that's also a very that's a very difficult thing, not only, you know, in DFS, but in gambling and life. You have to be honest with yourself. Am I making the right decision with this lineup in this contest? You know, and uh, I think and, I've and, mentioned- and also and also just to, just to, to add to that, sometimes the concepts are opposite of one another of what you would think. Like, for instance, in baseball, like you mentioned before, in larger field contests, you need to you you need to get a higher score. You need to you need to come closer to the nuts. The likelihood of you ha- of anyone having the nuts is low, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you have to have a higher score. Right, relatively to your beating 70,000 entries versus beating two hundred entries is much different. Now, correlation increases the variance of your lineup. Okay, so people think in terms of the more correlation, the higher scores that mm-hmm. I could that I could get, which is true. True is absolutely mm-hmm. true. So they think, well, large field, I need the most amount of correlation. Said, but also you have to figure. You also need to get closer to the nuts, and the nuts isn't necessarily going to be correlated. So when you're playing large field tournaments, correlation is good and bad at the, mm-hmm. at the same exact time where on something like FanDuel in the large field contest, I'm much more likely, the larger the slate is, to play 4-3-1s than play 4-4s. I will play some 4-4s, but they're like, well... Don't you want the most amount of correlation? It's like, no, I want the most amount of maximize my chances of hitting close to the nuts. And and a four four stack may not be the nuts. It may not, it may have there may be a there may be an eight percent owned guy in the outfield that hits three home runs today, but the stack for his team doesn't get there. But mm-hmm. as a, at eight percent owned, it's gonna be a one off somewhere. And if I don't have that that one guy, like I, once I build all four fours, I've literally locked myself out of, of a winning lineup in a large field contest. Now, in a small field contest, let's take a 200 entry contest. You go, well, correlation isn't as nest. Like, I don't need to increase the variance of my lineup because I don't need the highest score. But the thing is, is that good luck. Like, oh, I'm going to play my cash lineup in a 200. Like, you don't have enough <laughs> leverage now. Right. So now you have that problem. So it's like, well, what do you do? Most of the time in smaller field contests, I'm playing the 4-4. Four, four. You're like, why are you maximizing correlation in a small field contest? Isn't isn't that increasing your variance too much? It's like, but I don't need to get the nuts. So that the three home run guy could be in my four-man stack with three. It could be, the four-man could be th- uh, 48 3 3 six. And I still win the 200-man contest. I can't win the large field with 3-3-6 three, three, from the other three guys. But in the now the 8% owned guy in the 200-man, like, I'm, I may be, like, there's only, how many lineups is that? There's 12 lineups with that? I mean, like, I could win with as long as I have that one, the three-home run guy. But those concepts, it seems like you're saying, well, oh, so you want more correlation, but you also don't want more correlation in a large field. You you don't you don't need correlation in a small field, but you kind of want it so you could just make two decision points. And it's like, as long as these two teams do well, and I capture like the one guy that goes off, like I could win against two hundred entries. Like to me, it still comes back to that nonlinear type of. 
Like, how do you, that cognitive, it's almost like cognitive dissonance. Like, you yes. have to think two opposite things that go together and then judge the lineup, how you build the lineups based on that, where it's like, hence why I will say when people, uh, what do you think of, uh, I'm going to use yesterday's MLB slate. And you go, what do you think uh, of, uh, of, of Matt Chapman or something like that? And I go, well, I wouldn't play Matt. I, I, I would be less likely to play Matt Chapman in, uh, in Glasnow lineups, right as a one-off, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm less. I, if you're gonna play, if you if you're gonna play uh, Olson and Chapman and Canha, I wouldn't play Olson, Chapman, Canha, Loriano. I'd be more inclined to mix in some Piscotti in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not playing the complete chalk Oakland A's four man. Like, but well, should I take out Canha or Loriano? And my answer is, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right? Like, like mm-hmm. either individually, I don't like. But the concept is, is like, how do I play the chalk team without playing the chalk foreman? Like, that's the concept. But the actual, who do you play? Do you play Jed Lowry? Or do you play Stephen Piscotti? Or do you, to me, it's like, don't spend that much time thinking about those types of decisions. Just as long as you know the concept of what you're doing. But sometimes you're weighing things where it's like, this is what this is why I say, Peter. I, I say this in the road. I, I I haven't said in the ad more. I haven't been there in God knows how long. Well, we're moving to Discord, so right. you won't be there. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> so I'd say any answer that if you're asking me a question that I can answer with a yes or a no, it's a stupid question. And any <laughs> and any question that I can answer with a number, like an actual number, is probably a stupid mm-hmm. question also. And then a lot of people are like, "Well, what the fuck other questions are there?" It's like, well, mm-hmm. that's the that's the point. The point is, is that. Like, oh, should you, when they say, uh, should you play four fours in large field GPPs? And I go, not necessarily. Some four fours, maybe. Some four mm-hmm. three ones. Some four, you could play four one one one. Isn't four one one horrible? Like, Dude, it depends on the lineup. It depends on the contest, right? So you could play, oh, this guy played this in the small field contest, but you said that you should just play four fours because you want them. Like, dude, there may be some four two two lineups that, accomplish the same thing like they, they could be five thousand lineups of all different types of combinations that all have similar expected values so there's no like one thing that you do but that still comes down to the like weighing concepts in your mind and then judging like people will look at the winning lineup and then go well this guy just picked out eight home runs <laughs> and i'm like well good luck good luck replicating that because that's it that's not that's not long term profitable because mm-hmm. like that it just isn't. There's no like you you you're gonna you you'll end up making seven million lineups and never getting there. Yep. And that goes back to your our first point. It's that you can't look at a thing on a one slate sample size. It's that if you're trying to treat everything that, hey, this guy did this on this night, so that must be what it is, you know. It's just not good for you to set hard set rules, you know. It's it's for you to understand, and that's why I, I said if I was talking to any DFS player who's just starting out to to twenty max the dime, you know, you should make as I think you should make as many lineups as you possibly can that you can afford, you know, just to get yourself to making good lineups. I and think hand build them even. Yes, yes, hand build them. Yes, yeah. I, I I mean I'm still a hand builder, you know. I mean I use the optimizer to run, you know, what the projections should do, but I hand build all my my twenty lineups. It's only twenty lineups, you know. Obviously, if you're trying to hand build. 150 it's probably too much you know but hand building is how i learned to make make sure that you're making a good lineup for that contest you know it's you know that's what i, I did when i started like i mm-hmm. yeah i may be known for lineup hq and i i 
because I've been using it for, for three years. But before, in 2016, when I played MLB, and I, I got like two second places my, my first uh, season of MLB, I was hand-building 40 lineups. I mean, mm-hmm. 10 line it depends or whatever. They would, 10 lineups, 20 lineups, 30 lineups. And playing in the large field, not playing small field stuff. I was still playing mm-hmm. the, the lottos. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, but well, you're not playing 150? Why do I need, as long as I build 20 plus EV lineups, what does it matter? So that, that's, a, but people would make fun of it. That's where, how I got made fun of in the beginning of like, oh, that, you know, $27 worth of volume and I bink a GPP like that. Because I would just make choices. I would just say, okay, I'm going to stack the Marlins. I'm going to stack this. I'm, and then make sure to build individually good lineups and then eventually you learn how to use an, uh, what I call optimizers, efficiency tools. It's like I can visualize what my 20 lineups are going to look like. Maybe not exact players, but I just I know what they're going to look like. I know I'm going to have half of this and 20%. I know if I'm paying up here, I'm going to have to pay down there. And I know who's going to have to be in the lineups. And then I could just program the tool to kind of make them for me. And then once you get good at that, then you could now I can make a hundred line. Now I can make 150 lineups. And then sometimes the the some of the lineups you just like, like it just whatever fit. Like how'd you know to put that guy, uh, dude? It's just whatever fit. Just fucking, <laughs> yes. I I no idea. It just it it fit the variables of the lineups that I'm looking for, and it just so happened to be that twenty seven hundred dollar guy that hit two home runs today. But I was playing a bunch of this stack, so. That's why he ended up in two out of a hundred lineups as the eighth hitter. I didn't specifically say I wanted to play that guy. I, I mm-hmm. right or a catcher goes off, and typically it's the catcher. Yes, right, because <laughs> you know me. I, I'm t- on DraftKings, not on FanDuel because they have the catcher first the base first position. Base, yeah. But you know me. Most of the time, the catcher is in my stacks. So it's yep, like if a catcher here. goes, if a catcher goes off, I most likely don't have them as a one off unless it's a real Muto or Sanchez or you know one of the mm-hmm. high end catchers. Yeah. And they go, well, how'd you choose to, like, no, is the catcher for the Tigers? Like, I don't mm-hmm. even know who the fuck the guy is. Right. Grenier <laughs> goes off and, like, a $2,300 catcher. It's like, well, how'd you know? I didn't know anything. It's just the catcher sucks. So why not just put the guy that's in your stack so you can play the one-off outfielder rather than the one-off catcher? But that's a concept. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that concept applies to every MLB slate. So once you start weighing those concepts... Then what questions, like, what do you, like, what catcher to play? Like, play whoever's in your stack. Well, what stack, like, whatever, whatever it is. And then I, it doesn't come that does it come down to that, like you said before, they're looking, that people are looking for reasons. And, like, and they look at how, how we play, and a lot of top DFS players play. And I go, dude, these guys have no reasons for anything. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. like, like no, it's like, like, yeah. actually, they have less mm-hmm. reasons then, then you would possibly think, and it's like they have a projection model, and they build plus EV lineups, and if this guy's in three lineups, he's in three lineups. If that pitcher ends up in one lineup, and that ends up being the winner, we've seen, you look at the, some some GPP winners, and it's like their winning lineup is like, literally has three guys in it. That That's the only lineup out of their 150 that has those three players in it. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of their lineups aren't even catching, but that one got there. And sometimes... Sometimes people look at that and they go, how is that skill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where the, I think that's where the disconnect comes. Cause then, cause yes. to anyone that would look like luck, like how does that not look like luck? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, from the outside, like you said, it, it definitely looks like luck. It just looks like, Hey, you know, people ask me, it's like, um, uh, 
how did you end up on this guy? You know, I, the Alex Len night. It's like, right. how did you end up on this? And it's like, well, I mean, it just fit. You know, I was late swapping and I was just clicking around some buttons and it just fit. You know, so you needed a cheap we, set. You needed a cheap center to make that construction work. Yes. Exactly. And Alex yeah. Len is a cheap center that also we've seen Alex Len put up 50 points in a game out of nowhere. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. He's the definitive, you know. And it turns out he puts up zero. It turns out he doesn't do anything. Well, well that, that's the very But it also turns it, you know? out that having a 3700 whatever his price was, he was like minimum price. Mm-hmm. The only way to get the construction with all those seven other players with all those big scores yep. was to have the cheap, like that. That So it's like, oh, he won with the zero from Alex Len. It's like, no, he won with that. No one else could have had that construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that and I think that that's the thing where I keep saying practice is just better. You know, it's like if you're just if you're practicing making these better lineups, it doesn't really matter what happens. You know, as I've said before, it's it's okay to say that you don't know. You know, it's a very you know it's a very simple thing, but it's actually kind of hard for especially people who come from you know deal, uh, from fantasy sports and season long, especially in football. You know, where people it's like, oh, you know, I I know this guy's four four, so I know how good this guy is. And when it comes to me, it's like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm going to play Matt Ryan, so I'm just going to play this guy. I actually don't know how good he is. You know, I don't really care, but, you know, he, he fits with the stack. He fits with this lineup. You know, and that's that's more important than actually knowing what's going to happen or what's, you know, how good that guy is, you know. Right. You know, Trey so Burton he, was in my – I binked in the slant and – oh, Trey Burton had two touchdowns, right? And it's like, well, what, what made you play Trey Burton? It's like, well, that construction required a cheap tight end. And it had T. Higgins in it. Well, the Colts are on the other side of the Bengals. So I said, fuck it. I'll take the Colts. Th-. Like, yep. that. that's it. That's it. Yep. I don't know anything about. Well, no, I knew they were going to run this pitch play. For I have no fucking clue what's going on. All I know is that how do I. I like correlating, intercorrelating players when things are equal. Like, if obviously the projections were like, well, Trey Burton's this and this other guy is like eight points higher. I'm not going to do that. But like when all things are relatively equal, it's like. Well, if I'm playing one side of a game, I'm going to play the same thing in basketball. I mean, that's when I won with Garrett Temple. Like, how how the fuck did you know Garrett Temple was going to put up 48 points in that game? Like, all I know is I needed a, a I needed a cheap small forward to fit that construction. That's it. And I was hand building that lineup. And he's like, well, what made you play Garrett Temple? Because I was playing D'Angelo Russell on the other side of the game. Like, that's it. That's it. That's it. And people throw up their own like, how, like how is that not luck? It's yeah. like, no, no, it's it's. It's a it's very weak correlation, mm-hmm. but, but it's, still, it's still something. It's, it's still you know? something. I made a choice based on based on that, and it was one of those games where the Grizzlies. He was on the Grizzlies, and they had a short rotation, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. like so. There, there's a reason there, and he projected as well as any other thirty eight hundred dollar small forward. But like, well, how do you choose between these twelve small forwards? Well, I'm just going to choose the guy that's on the other side of D'Angelo Russell because if if a if the game gets close and whatever, and you know. And, they, and there you go. But people are looking, Peter. You're in. You're in these discords and slacks and whatever, and you see all these conversations of people looking for reasons. And our answers, because I remember your responses even back when, when I was, you know, people are talking about that. And I don't know, fantasy insiders back in add more funds, and I'm the one that comes in there and like I'm going to play this. I'm I'm doing this, and and they go, well, why? I go, because no one else is. <laughs> like, yes. like, I don't. Why do I need a reason? Or, or That's yes, the most in, in base, reason. right? In yeah. S or, or in baseball, like we always get like some, 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 like yesterday. If you wanted to stack against Freddie Peralta yesterday with the Cubs, I didn't because there were t- so many other stacks I was playing. Uh, I don't blame you on draft on DraftKings, not on fan. I did. 
Uh, in the seventy six twenty, I played five cup stacks. Right, because why? Peralta is going to be fifty percent, and you know, you just hope he has a bad night. I mean, you know, I know the Cubs suck. I know they strike out a lot, but hey, this guy's fifty percent. That's my that's my way to one hundred k. You know, if it, if he has one bad night, you know. Right. I mean, and and you're stacking this against the SP two, not the S. Like yes. it's like mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta is like is more likely to get blown up than Tyler Glass now. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Glass I can get blown up also, but like, mm-hmm. so you can't be to me. You can't be wrong if you just like. What, on DraftKings, it's like you want a five-man stack against a chalk SP2, and you just did that every night. There's your re- there to me. That's the reason, only because that's the highest relative value spot on the slate. It always is, uh, depending on obviously on the the, the, the ownership. You get a fifty percent owned SP2 on a twelve-game slate. Like, dude, the stack against him is like one percent owned. Right, the the Cubs, the Cubs, like Brian hit a home run, right? Yesterday. Yes, yes. How 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 old was he on draft? I think like two point eight or something. Right. In contest. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But you have to. But people look at that and they go, "Well, why should I play a, the Cubs over?" Like, like, no, because if per, if the Cubs do well, that means half of the lineups in the contest because Peralta's fifty percent owned. This, yes. These these two things are negatively correlated to one another. So like, you're not going to win because the Cubs put up six runs, seven runs. You're going to win because 50% of the lineups of the contest are dead, (laughs) right? So you don't need, you don't need 250 points in baseball now because the chalk SB, the chalk SB2 has negative six and everyone's cursing the wind and tilting and chats and everything. And you took advantage of it. And that stack is 1% owned, but understand the probability is that it's going to fail. Well, like it, my lineups finished almost dead last, right. you know, and that, that's the thing that you have to understand that, hey, but I made a great lineup, but it finished last, you know, that's the thing that, you know, I guess experience teaches you this too, but it's that as long as you're listening to these, you know, these type of podcasts, you're listening to smarter players, all the smart players will tell you this. It's that, you know, it doesn't matter if you, it, it, it's almost better if you finish last than if you finish, you know, on the, in the middle of the pack. Right. Exactly. On the, you know, right. Yeah. I, if I fit on them, I, I get upset when the... Did, when I know I made mistakes, I've said this before. I can know how good my lineups are once the game's locked. Before any results come in. Obviously, in baseball, things lock at different times. But I'm just looking at the owner. I'm looking at, like, yesterday, for instance. I know At baseball, I don't know why we're talking about individual slates. But, I mean, it just happened to be yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought Freddie Freeman on FanDuel was going to be higher owned. I thought the Braves would be higher owned. I played a bunch of the Braves. So I was playing a lot of the Braves-Marlins game. Uh, but I avoided playing Freddie Freeman as a one-off more because I thought he would be like 25% owned. He ended up being 14% owned. So now Freddie Freeman had a horrible game. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But but uh, but the fact is, is that I should have had Freddie Freeman as a one-off in more of my lineups had I known that he was 14% owned and not 24 I misjudged the leverage. I should have had more Ozzy Albies than I did because the Braves were less owned than I thought they would be. Like, that has nothing to do with the results. That has not, but I could look right there and go, oops. I go, had I known, had I known this? And then uh, Jordan Alvarez is like way more owned on FanDuel. I, I thought he would be owned on DraftKings. Yes. But he was way more owned on FanDuel than I ever thought he would be. And I had too much. I, I, I did too much of him as a one off. That was one of those types because I mm-hmm. yep. one, one didn't want to play Freeman. The salary. Right. Yep. So to me, those are the decisions I'm looking at going, okay, I, these lineups are, are much worse than, than they should. They may still be fine, but 
-hmm. they didn't accomplish the they didn't accomplish the things I, w I was going to accomplish. Now that I have a Braves stack, I have a Braves Oakland stack with a cheap, you know, like I, I did a cheapy in the lineup, and and I, I'm playing I'm playing uh, uh, Zach Greinke in that lineup mm -hmm. on Fanduel, and you know why? Because I'm like I think I'm playing the Stone Cold. 4-4 four, four yeah. Right, so it's like I can't play Glasnow in this lineup, but it turns out that the Brave stack is way lower owned, and uh, Piscotti is way lower owned than I thought even in the Oakland stack, and I'm like, like, dude, I Glasnow should have been in this line. Like, yes. like, like, because of this ownership now, like, this should have been a Glasnow lineup. Now, that lineup wouldn't have won or anything, but I look at it objectively and go, based on the, the information we now have, because you don't get the ownership beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We try. <laughs> right. You hope so. Try to predict, to try to predict it. Mm -hmm. Then you could judge and go, is this a good lineup for this contest? And that's why I look and I go, no, this wasn't. Yes, this was. Right? I look at the Marlin, some Marlin stacks I had that, like, I, when I saw, when Adam Duvall hit that home run, I, I mean, I I didn't, I wasn't checking anything. So I checked, like, oh, Adam Duvall hit a home run. Okay. I, I had him in, like, almost a third of my lineups. Uh I looked, he was 3% owned. And I'm like, to me, th that was a great, there you go. I was, I thought Adam Duvall was going to be like 12% owned. I mean, I, I expected to see, it's like, okay, I guess I, you need Adam Duvall, even as a one-off, because he projected well in the bat. And what, I mean, like the Marlins projected well, uh, depending on the model you were looking at. Uh, so to me, like a th if he's 3%, that means that's even higher plus EV, the Marlins could have been blanked yesterday. Mm -hmm. Adam Duvall could have gone 0 for 5, and I would have looked at the ownership of him at 3% and go, I'm glad I had 30% of him. Right? Yes. But that's what good players think. But that, but I'm not saying anything that's crazy, because like every DFS player that I talk to that's a good GPP player thinks in some fashion, maybe they may not verbalize in these exact ways, thinks in those terms of, you look at the you look at your projections. You look at the the ownership versus the actual ownership, and go, what what are these are these good lineups? Some people, you you could simulate it, right? Once you get all the ownership and all the lineups in a contest, if you have an accurate projection model, like you could just just run a sim. You could run a run run a thousand sims of the slate of the actual contest and see how many times certain lineups win versus others, and then you could even determine like. Were your lineups good on average with the field? I mean, you you can do that. That's a little bit more mm -hmm. advanced. You'd have to, yep. you know, know so maybe some Python or something. You have to you have to do some 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 work with some spreadsheets and some programming. But but that's what top GPP players are doing. They're not. What is the results from tonight? It's like no. What's the expected return on my lineups based yes. on now that we have all the information? The game is now. Like it's there's no more choices. It's a game of perfect information. All the all the games have locked. All the ownerships in. You can't make any swaps. Mm -hmm. And then now we're now we're rolling dice. What happens? Is the flush draw going to come in? And then mm -hmm. okay, simulate that ten thousand times and see which lineups are better than others. So even if your lineup loses, if your if your expected return is high, then what the fuck else are you supposed to do? Like that's yep. that is what it is. The flush didn't come in. Oh well. Yeah, and and like I said, that's that's basically you 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 keep talking about it, and I agree. That's how you become a better player. You know that that's really what it comes down to. I actually think that's actually a good idea for every every player. You know, 
when the lineup locks, you try to tell yourself, you know, you post it somewhere in Discord or something. Do you think this is a good lineup? And you answer it yourself, you know, and you should be able to answer it. You know, the, like, you know, by 10 p.m., you know, wherever the last game is or 10, 10, whatever, you should be able to answer whether or not your lineup was good. You know, it doesn't matter if you're winning or you're losing, you know, as long as you're making a good lineup, that's what you need to tell yourself that, hey, I'm doing the right thing. You know, right. a good lineup. Not- we're using the term good. A, a better mm-hmm. way is plus EV or yes. high first place win equity. Like, not just good. Good is very just like... Well, yeah, generic. Yeah. Generic, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like what, what is it's a like, good lineup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, did you play this in the right place? You know, that kind of thing, you know? I think that's a good thought process for every player if they want to get better. Right. Because the, ultimately, that's what you're trying to do, you know? You can be making one lineup. You can be making two, 30, 150. It doesn't matter as long as every one that you're making is, is plus EV. That That's really what's important, you know? Not the actual player, not the actual, you know, prediction, you know, of what's going to happen tonight, you know? Again, like we keep talking about, I actually don't know what's going to happen. I actually don't, actually don't care sometimes. <laughs> it's like, let's just, let's just play out the slate. Let's see what happens, you know? But the only thing we always do is we root against the chalk because that's the highest, you know, if the highest own probability outcome does not happen, those are the slates that you're trying to win. You know, you're not trying to win where, you know, the Dodgers go off for 11 runs every night. You know, those are the slates that are very difficult to win. You're trying to win where half the field has the stack and they have no points. You know, right. those are the type of, yeah. So that that's why I, I actually think that's another thing, I guess. I mean, again, there's no there's no hard set rules for DFS, you know. But a thing for for newer players to think about is that how what's the easiest way for me to get to the top? You know, that's something that they always have to think about, you know, when, when they're making their lineups, you know. Well, they, they would think, Peter, they would think the easiest way for me to play the best plays because they're the most yes. likely, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, but they don't important. realize that you're playing against other people. And if everyone else is going to do the same thing, that's actually the hardest way to win. Yes, exactly. It's where you were talking about. It's two different mindsets. It's like, well, I know the Dodgers are the best play, you know, but, you know, 40 percent of the field is going to have it. So how do I make a right balance? And that's where I keep talking experience comes in. It's that the more lineups you make, you can understand that, hey, this lineup actually has some win equity. You know, if I'm playing 40 percent Dodgers, but with two percent pitchers, I can win with this lineup. If I'm playing 40 percent Dodgers with a 60 percent pitcher, well, 40% 40% of the field has that lineup. You know, how can you win? You know, you need a, a near perfect outcome versus something else that only needs to happen. You know, if the Dodgers, are, I think they're minus 300, they only need to lose 20% of the time versus your 2% outcome, even though you're playing a lineup that, you know, you think has the highest probability of happening. You know, I think that's the the thought process that somebody has to make, you know, when they're trying to make a good lineup. Right. And you can tell the people that don't have that process, that type of mentality down when all the chalk hits and you get the I scored 350 points in NBA yes. and didn't even cash, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, yes. it's it's the misunderstanding of that concept of, like, it doesn't matter. Tyler Glass now put up 75 points on FanDuel yesterday. He was 58% owned or what? Like, does it matter? Like, wow, I got Tyler Glass last now, right? Yeah, and I, so? So did, so did everyone. So did most of the people. Like, it doesn't matter that you scored 75 points when nearly 60% of the field also scored those same points. Yes, you need, you yes. need to find points where other people don't. and But that's the reason, like, that comes down to, we're saying, finding a reason. And sometimes that reason, it sounds stupid to most people. Sometimes the reason is because no one else is. Like, sometimes that is, like, I need to find points that no one else is getting. 
I'm going to be playing this, I'm going to be playing that, and then I'm going to, I'm going to play this one off against the chalk pitcher. And they're like, why are you playing that guy? Why are you playing the lefty on lefty or whatever? Because he fits and he's going to be 1% owned and no one else is going to do it. They said, and then people would say, well, why can't you find other people, other players that are 1% owned? And I, yes, you can find 30 of them. <laughs> yes. And they're all, and they're there for the same exact reason. Well, why are you playing that guy? Well, because he's 1% owned and he has as much of a shot at getting 15 points as these 30 other guys. So let me just close my eyes and pick one of them. And then people look and go, this is DFS? This is, this is, this is what, dude, the projections are like everyone in this range is projected from 7.2 to 7.5. Like what, what the fuck's the difference between the, the, the point, whatever, like, tell anyone you want. Mm-hmm. And then, but you still have to, but you still, you built the rest of your lineup. You built the whole thing holistically probable, but it, 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 it just, it get, can, can you, can you see how frustrated I get? To, I, to, I mean, you probably get a lot more questions than I do, but the toughest questions for me to answer are like two V twos and one V ones. And you don't it, know the it, lineup it, for the contest. It's yeah, in. Exactly. And it's like it, the projections are like you say, they're like 0.56 apart. It's like, well, I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, and that's where I, I go back to needing reasons. Since I'm not looking for those reasons, I cannot tell you that this player is going to outperform because I don't even look at the base set of why this is happening, you know? And so those are always the toughest for me. And that's where I'm just like you, where I default to correlation when, you know, when that correlation or leverage. I I would say it's like Mm -hmm. depending on the contest and lineup that it's in, because I don't I don't know. It's like side more either either side to the, the side that's more correlated to your lineup, the rest of your lineup, or if 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 you have chalk in your lineup. Play the lower own one. If you don't have chalk in your lineup, play the higher own one. But like all of these reasons are game based, are not sport based. Mm-hmm. So, but that's where ninety five percent of the people go wrong. They're like, like, well, what's why? Why should I play Judge over Soto, or why should I play Harper over Bellinger? And it's like, dude, these are the best hitters in the game. Like, like that. But 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 that in basketball we see that a lot. I mean, baseball, you see that also. Like, mm-hmm. if everyone's if, in basketball, if ever if everyone's playing playing Harden, I'm playing Westbrook, right? Like, like if everyone's paying up for a 10K guard, if everyone's playing Luca, I'm playing Carl Anthony Towns in the center spot at 11,000. Like, well, why? Because it's not a 10K guard. Like, yeah, but is there a reason? Like, no, that is that literally is the reason. Because it's not. Would you be surprised? If Bradley Beal went out and scored 60 points, Zach Levine went out and scored 60 points today, would you be shocked? Go, well, he has a bad matchup. He said, but it's, he's still Zach Levine. Would you be shocked? Would you be like, holy shit, you got to call your grandma type of shocked? No. Well, he's going to be 2% owned and I'm playing him. Like that. Sometimes it's just he's a great player and no one's playing them. Just like in baseball. You'd be like, oh, everyone's playing the Dodgers. And Juan Soto is sitting there in a national stack at 5% owned on a 12-game slate. And I'm like, well, looks like I'm playing Juan Soto. They go, well, why? Because he's fucking Juan Soto, for fuck's sake. I mean, like, like sometimes it's, that's, that, there you go. That, that's it. But those, re, but you're, you're able to, we're both able to. That's why, like, building lineups and, like, obviously you're hand building. So maybe it's a little bit more than seven minutes. Mm-hmm. But that's why I could put together MLB lineups in seven minutes. But it still comes down to, like, how do we reiterate that 
how do we reiterate so much to people? Because I, because I remember they had more fun slack. That's why I left, <laughs> right? Because it's stupid. Well, maybe Jaws. Maybe it, maybe yeah, yeah. getting trolled by him in there. You guys are in Discord now, right? Uh, we are moving to Discord. Move, yes. Uh, oh, you haven't even moved yet. Oh uh, yeah, we. I, I think uh, Matt's transitioning most of the people, but we're still. Some people are still in Slack. And and that's and that's free. Well, yes, yes. So if people wanted free, to yeah. join the Add More Funds Slack slash soon to be Discord, people could mm-hmm. just do that. Yep, they they can come. They can ask me questions about two v twos, and I'll give them the same answer you probably do. Right, and they'll probably move on. <laughs> right, but I'll, I'll add you. I'll add, add when it move to Discord. I'll add it because I don't. I, I don't. I I only use. I don't use Slack. I mean, like that's the yeah, main yeah, reason yeah. for for mm-hmm. DFS. I, I have Discords. Now, but now that it, you could be in the menu, at least it's yeah, like, yeah. okay. Multiple, yeah. Right. The only time I ever got notifications from Slack for, for the Add More Funds Discord is when Jaws would make fun <laughs> of me. Right. Now I'd show up. Yeah. It's like, I, you haven't seen me in five months. It's like, <laughs> how, what, are you spying on us? It's like, no, I have a key, I have keyword search. I, I, <laughs> I get a notification when Blender, I don't my name is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how, how, just like you transitioned two or three years ago to finally kind of figuring it out. It's one of those things where I tell people, like, once you get it, you see how stupid everyone else is. Yes. It's kind yes. of a, it's kind of a, like, yes. like once it clicks, I don't, my, my answers don't look stupid. And like, my answers look like I, I, I've had people DM me that have taken the course that have done well, or I've said something to three years ago that they never got it. And now they're doing well. And now they'll, they'll DM me and say, I don't understand how you put up with these fucking questions anymore. It's like, <laughs> dude, they're the questions that you asked me three years ago. And they go, I know, they're so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, it, and it's hard for me to say other than once you get it, like, then you see how it, like said and saying before, you see how little everything else matters. You mm-hmm. see how, how actually simpler the game is Rather than how comp- more a lot of average DFS players are looking like, what more can I look at, right? What what stats should I look at? What should what more? They're looking how much more content? What and like and we're thinking in terms of how little is is needed. Mm-hmm. That that we could yes, I could look at something and it may impact me by point oh oh one percent or something like that. But it's in the scheme of variance in baseball, especially fucking nothing. It might, it might as well be zero. So, like, we're in the pursuit of, of weeding out all the stuff that really, at the end of the day, from, from a ROI perspective, in this game that we're playing against other human beings, we could chalk up the variance. Where, like, no matter what you look at, no matter what looks like it could be predictive, the variance just washes it out. So it's more important to figure out what your opponents are doing than figure out, you know, if this guy hits curveballs well or something like that, that... Like once you get that simplification down and then once you start building good lineups and start doing well, then things start to click. You're able to now do it in NFL, in NBA, in golf, in MMA and everything. And then you start looking around going, going like now you get why some of the top GPP players can play every slate on every site and play 150 lineups. And like, how, how does anyone have that much time? It's like, well, how much time do you need? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's that it actually, like you were saying, it actually takes less time than you probably think it does. You know, as a, as a common for not you, but you know, as if somebody else, it's that we're 
as I mean, like I said, I work nine to five, so I'm, I'm trying to block out all the stuff that doesn't affect me. Because if I'm if I'm trying to dig out, you know, BVP or I'm trying to dig out all these things, it's gonna take me forever to go through, you know, a person on a slate. You know, I don't care about all that. You know, the game is to beat opponents. It's not to try to score the most points. It's not to you know try to have you know you know somebody say to tell somebody, hey, I got this guy right tonight. You know, nobody else got it. That's not the point. The point is to outscore your opponents and. The easiest way to do that is understand what they're trying to do. Just like every other game, if I had perfect information in another game, I could probably beat you, you know, because I know what you're trying to do. This is we don't have perfect information, but we have ownership where we have a general understanding of what other people are going to do. You know, so by that to me is the most important thing to look at versus all this other stuff that doesn't doesn't matter toward this game you know that might matter if i'm trying to you know pick you know a home run contest or something but in order to win dfs i don't you know don't need to know what's you know what this guy is going to do on a certain night right just like in poker with that example with the flush draw and whether or not you're going to jam with it if you knew your opponent's cards and your opponent had a very weak hand like now your fold equity goes from you know what you believe is 30 percent to nearly 100 percent Right, it's like this guy only has third pair. If I shove right here, he's it's like he's going to fold ninety five percent of the time. It's like now you can make much now you can make the totally correct decisions. You you take a look at his hand if, and he has top set. He ain't going anywhere. He's got, he's got the nuts right. So like like now it's now you have to hit. Now you know you're going to have to hit your flush. And now mm-hmm. you look at the pot size and everything, and you go, if I jam here, it's a negative EV decision. So instead of you check, the guy bets. Maybe you call, right? You hope that he gives you a free card, right? He yeah. you free, and you make the flush and he pays you off or something like that. But that may not happen. And then you judge those. But you already know that he has, once you know what he has, same thing for head-to-heads in DFS. Once you, if, you knew, if you knew what your opponent had, you could, you could make the most optimal decisions against them. Just like if you knew ownership beforehand... You'd be able to make, I guarantee you that if, if I knew exact ownership beforehand, like I would have such a tremendous edge on everyone yes. in the field that it'd be ridiculous. Because projected ownership is tough. Yes, yes. But to it's, me, it's, ownership. It's probably the toughest thing. Yes. In the game, it's probably the toughest thing to predict. I, I spend more time trying to predict ownership than I try to predict good players. Right. You know, that, that, exact, that's that's exactly important. the point. Mm-hmm. Right. That To me, that's the more important thing to get accurate. Right, and that's and it's tough to do, because you're dealing with human beings. With it, you can't even rely on the math because people have because people are irrational, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, well, it's a Kawhi revenge game, so I, okay, I gotta <laughs> add five percent to that, right? <laughs> or or sometimes sometimes it's the projections themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you you know you know how it is because you 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 may hand build, but you do use projections. Yes, you may find a slate like you know. Uh, we get the Josh Van Meter is $2,000 in its second base and second base is a fairly weak position. And you know that if people are using projections and not knowing what they're doing, Josh Van Meter is going to show up in like 70 fucking percent of their lineups. And does he have to see like, he's going to like owners projections will say that he's going to be 18% owned. And it's like, dude, this guy could be 34% owned because people are going to press optimize and just, like, fucking have Josh Van Meter one-off in, like, half of their lineups. And they're not going to realize. They're going to be on, on, on one of these optimizer sites. They're going to upload whatever. I mean, whatever it is. So it's like you could even take the projections 
and and leverage that. Mm-hmm. So like I so I don't make my own projections. Yeah, me neither. Right. <laughs> so we're looking at projections that yeah. other people are looking at. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be plugging into an optimizer to build lineups. But I know how I know how 90% of people use optimizers wrong. Mm-hmm. So I know that that there may be people playing 50 lineups into this contest that that has 48 of their lineups have Josh Van Meter as a one-off. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, looks like uh, start Xing him out or only putting him in Diamondback stacks or stuff like that. So I, yeah, those lineups may not be bad, but I know that this guy is going to be over-owned. Then you also know what that means? The higher price second basemen are going to be under-owned. Yes. So mm-hmm. now yes. I start, but now I want to get Altuve in there. And now I'm getting Keston here, even though he's striking out 700 times. <laughs> right. right. But like you said, it doesn't matter. He right. only has to hit two home runs tonight. That's, that's Right. You know? But all those choices, like I went through, weren't based on who, who do I think is going to do well in the baseball game. It's what do I think my opponents are going to do too much of, and how do I exploit, what way can I exploit that? Yes. Yes, that, that's that's ultimately what the game should be about. You know, if you want to be better, I guess I should always put that caveat there. That's what's important. It's that, you know, you're trying to figure out what most people are trying to do and how to leverage that with your lineups. You know, it could be, again, it could be one, it could be 150, but everyone has to make a certain amount of sense. You know, that's the word I like to use. You know, it's that if I'm putting it in this contest where I know Josh, you know, a lot of these single entry fields that I like to play, you know, where I know Josh Van Meter is going to be 65% because you can fit Bauer and six and five Dodgers in it. Then that's the lineup where I don't, I either play Josh Van Meter in a Diamondback stack because I know nobody's going to do that or I just don't play him at all. You know, that that's the type of uh, thinking you need to have, you know, instead of whether or not Josh Ramita is going to get six points tonight. You know, I, I don't care, you know? Right. I, and I, with yeah. the single entry stuff, you pointed out, like I, I, I've said that I tend to be more contrarian in single entry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, it, and people, it's one of those balancing two different things in your head at the same time of, it doesn't mean that I'm playing all 1% known players. It just mm-hmm. means that because in single entry contests or three max contests, especially single entry, people tend to play safer lineups. Now, it's correct because in single entry, there tend to be smaller fields, which means you don't need the nuts. So you could play a high median projected lineup. You could play, you could play a five man stack, play five man stack. You you could plug in five X into an optimizer, press the button and play that lineup in a small field, single entry GPP. It projects well, it's fine, it's fine. But so many people play that style of lineup, which means that the chalk stack is going to be even chalkier, which means that you now you, it's more leverage offered to you. It's, it's, it's over-owned at this it's point. It's over-owned now. at yeah, that. It, now, might have been, it not, might not have been over-owned in the lotto, but now in this one, it's over-owned. Right. You know? so, so then you're like, well, I'm like the SP2, that, that, that Freddie Peralta yesterday may have been like 76% yeah. owned in single entry. And you're like, Fuck it, I'm playing a Cub stack. Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah. but 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 it's single entry. Who gives a shit? This is my. Uh, this is the easiest path for me to get first place in this contest. Said all I pretty much need is Peralta to get blown up because the Cubs. I'll. I, it's a three hundred. It's a five hundred man contest, and I may be the only one with a Cub stack. I may be literally the only lineup with a Cub stack. Mm-hmm. And then yes, the I, rest of my lineup, I just I x out Peralta. I stack the five the Cubs. And then whatever fit, then I'm playing the yeah. chalk, play the yeah, chalk one-offs. So I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, so I think somebody came in Slack about two weeks ago, asked the same type of question. It's like, what do I play in the five five five? Should I play the talking? I'm like, well, the bit. In my opinion, you know, if you're playing single entry in the bigger fields, you should actually play even more contrarian. You know, you should play where, where you're like not scared of your money because we know everybody's going to play. You know, the highly projected Trout one-offs, you know, and the Otani one-offs, you know, because like you said, they're trying to play safe. So those those contests are the to me, I mean, I mean, I, I wrote a, a Twitter post about this is that for me, that was the easiest way for me to get better. It's that I was understanding that so many people were doing these quote unquote safe things in non-safe, you know, I mean, I guess NBA is the safest sport, but especially a sport like MLB, there's no such thing as a safe player. You know, it, it, you, you got to get four at bats. You can go for four at any night. You can hit ball hard four times and make four outs, you know? So I learned that those were the contests that I should be playing because since I understand that so many other players are playing this type of, you know, lineup, it's so much easier for me to make a lineup full of one percenters, but of good players. You know, a, a lot of people think, oh, one percent players must suck. You know, they, they all must be horrible players. But no, they're only one percent because of how your lineup, you know, how the lineup construction of an optimal build on that night is. You know, so I think people also don't have that concept of that. One percent doesn't mean that your guys suck. It just means that, hey, you know, no, nobody's playing it because nobody understands that that's just, you know, the type of lineup you want to make on that night. Right. Glaber Torres is 87 percent at shortstop yeah. mm-hmm. at, uh, at, because he's 4,300 and facing a garbage lefty and, and, and with the Blue Jays or whatever, whatever it is. And then you look and you go, well, overpriced Carlos Correa is is five thousand, but still, I mean, the Astros in a good spot, and he's one percent owned. Why? Because every, mm-hmm. why would because because meeting wise, Torres projects all above him. But it's not mm-hmm. like Carlos Correa is a bad player, or like you see Jose Ramirez. Like at third, everyone's paying down to third base, and and it's it's a twelve game slate, and everyone's paying. You know, they mispriced Eugenio Suarez or something. But Mike Mustakas is thirty two hundred for no reason in cores, or you know, like some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jose Ramirez is 5,800 for the Indians facing facing a decent pitcher, but not great pitcher. And it's like, well, he's 1% owned. And it's like, but he's Jose, Mar- he's Jose Ramirez. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, just, it's just that that no one's building that construction. So that's the reason he's 1% owned, not because he sucks. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think as you make more lives, you know, and you get exp- more experience, these are the type of decisions that you can tell yourself, yes, I know I'm doing the right thing. You know, this goes back to, you know, hey, I'm losing, you know, but how do I know I'm doing the right thing? This is how you can tell. You know, you can tell on a daily basis or, you know, even, you know, again, I like to do it. You like to do it. I like to look at the, the you know, quote unquote, the players that are winning all the time because, you know, if they're winning all the time, they're probably making good lineups, you know, to study their lineups, you know. If you're spending a little bit, I think more people should be spending time doing that instead of doing all the other stuff that I you know, call useless, you know, which is, you know, looking up, you know, box scores of how this guy did, you know, I, I, the, the thing I hate the most, but also love the most when people talk about is, uh, this guy uh, does so well against the Sacramento Kings. It's like, well, I, how are the Sacramento Kings three years ago? I, I can't tell you, right. you, you know, it's, you know, that kind of stuff is useless to me, you know, it's, you know, but you know, people do it, you know, I'm right. sure his last seven, it. his last seven games against this center, and of course, two of those seventy-point performances were from six years ago. Yeah, it's like what, mm-hmm. like it's dude. It's a team defense game. Like what, like it's not just like point guard on point guard, center. Like, dude, do you watch basketball? I don't even watch basketball, and I know this. <laughs> what position is LeBron James? He's every position. So what do you? These, this team is bad against power forwards. Like, who the fuck's a? 
What are, what are these positions? Is Draymond Green a power forward? He also handles the ball. Is he a point guard then when he handles the ball? But is Aaron Gordon? I mean, like, like so all those stats are fucking, fucking, why, why are you bothering with that? The only exactly. reason you'd look at that is because people are going to look at that and then you want to say, who? <laughs> what do they think they, is, is when it doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like I said, that's that's the, the stuff. In my, I mean, like you said, I don't know when it happened for me either, but like when you said it clicks, it clicks. That's the stuff when you start noticing that that's what you're doing on a daily basis instead of looking at all this stuff that doesn't matter. I think that's when you know that you've become a better player. You well, know, probably you, you make, went probably you because you, you're winning more. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, for for sure, for sure. You 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 can tell by your results, but even then, even let's say you're you're in a bad streak because you know, sometimes it's it's really hard to tell whether you're in a downswing or you and you're still playing well. That's how you can tell. You know, I think that that would be my my biggest advice. You know, to newer players. Right. I look at my Marlins stacks from yesterday, and I look at the ownership, and I go, okay. I mean, they could they could have gotten there. I mean, Cooper Cooper had a good. I mean, it almost it almost did in extra innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I but I look at that. I look at the ownership. Once I looked at the ownership of the Marlins, I go, nope, I'm good. Doesn't matter. I I know Noah like struck out like eight million people yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. oh, I played a lot of you know. But again, it doesn't matter. It's a one game. Right. You know, it's a one game sample type thing. You know, it's yeah. Right. You know? I take a look at the Diamondbacks and I go, okay. I look at the ownership. I'm fine. And mm-hmm. then I take a look at the Yankees and I go, maybe I played a little too much of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Right. I I took a look. I, I mean. That, but that's it. That's all I could do. And then the, the games happen, and then you just move on to the next day. And then, or or do you think? Do you think to to, to close a bit? I, we mentioned it slightly before that people get into the one slate mentality because we mentioned that they have over unrealistic expectations, right? It's like, oh, these guys win all the time, right? You're probably profiting in GPPs. 50, 60% of the time, when in fact, it's like 10% of the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? When it's 10%. Uh, <laughs> so because of that, they're like, well, I have $3,000 to play and I'm playing, I'm going to play $800 tonight. And it's like, when you have like a quarter of your bankroll, whatever you're considering your bankroll on the line, one slate matters a lot, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm very conservative I'm probably one of the most conservatives with my bankroll. But do you think that a lot of people, because I people that tilt, I, I, I think that's a lot of the core of it. They start with unrealistic expectations and then they play too much. And because of natural variance stuff, yeah, you could lose 10 slates in a row. And they don't understand that you can. So they're playing 800, like they're just not managing the bankroll correctly, which then is like a self-fulfilling prophecy of now I can only think in the scope of one slate because mm-hmm. I have playing, to win tonight. I have to That's, win. To, right. Exactly. I, I, I got to win a lot too. I have to win tonight. And it's like, you, you may not win for, for, for 30 days. Like that, you know, I, I think that that's part of what it is. It's that part of it is the un, unexpected, um, uh, expectations for people. And then the other half is that I think it's just, you have to, it almost sounds stupid when you say it something like this, but you have to expect to lose. You know, it, it's almost like if you win, it's it's great, but you 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 have to go into slate be like, ah, I'm gonna lose again tonight. You know, and when you win, you know. But the thing is, when you're if you're making these perfect, I wouldn't say perfect, but these good plus EV lineups every night, when you win, you know you're gonna get to the top. You know that Drew Dickfire quote. You know, right. it's that you're going to profit when you are correct. You know, you may be wrong. 29 days, but on the 30th day, if you're correct, you are going to make up for it. And I think that's just the, 
the concept and the idea that most people need to get into their head before they start. You know, it's very hard because, you know, they see these screenshots, but I think that's the that's the thing you have to explain to them before they, you know, can fully understand it. But a lot of people, it, it, you won't get it until it happens. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. Yeah, you, you, practice makes perfect. You know, like I said, my, my, my advice would just be make as many lineups, you know, in the dime and the quarter as you can. I mean, there are, I think there are five dime contests. That's 100 lineups you can make. Just practice making good lineups in every single one of them. Right. Hand build first and then go yep. to yes. an optimizer, mm-hmm. yes. if anything. Very mm-hmm. similar yep. to poker, right? Poker, but when you first learn about poker, it's like, oh, poker looks exciting. You look at, you watch TV, right? You go, you watch the World Series of Poker, yep. mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, big hand, big hand. Don't realize that 90% of hands are just folded around. Mm-hmm. And you don't, re- you don't realize that playing good poker involves folding most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, you're not going to get, oh, well, I have 5-6 suited. I'm going to play it against a raise in middle position. No, no, you're not. No, that's unprofitable. That did, did, you throw it. Oh, I saw this guy make a move with it. Yeah, <laughs> but it, out of context on a TV show. He's probably folded mm-hmm. that 99% of the time. But he made a move. They showed that one highlight. Doesn't mean he does that every hand. So it's it's very similar to me of, you know, when I, when I, when I tr- was trying to teach people poker, I wasn't really teaching people. I just said, I played underground and people needed help or something. Oh, can you? Teach me a little bit more how to, how to play. I see you play well, and you win. And then I tell her, I want you to sit down, and I want you to fold for six straight hours. <laughs> and they go, like, even ace, even aces. Just play, play your blinds and sit there and fold. So if you can't do that for six hours, then there's nothing I could do to help you. Because mm-hmm. that's the one thing you have to remove from your game of, like, you, you, may not get good, you may not get good hands. You may not get good spots. You may, that you have to be willing that you're going to have sessions you're going to sit down for eight to 10 hours and feel like, well, that was a waste of time, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. like, and, and, but what a lot of people do four hours in is start forcing it. Yes. Right. Yes. They start like, I haven't seen a good hand in so long that eight ace Jack looks good. Looks good to three bet. And you're like, just mm, yes, because it's the best hand you've seen doesn't mean it's the best decision to make at this moment, right? That you're three betting, you're three betting an early position razor that you that that uh, it's one one of those sixty four year old guys that reads a book while playing. It's like, <laughs> dude, your ace jack is no good. Like, mm-hmm. just just muck your hand. Like, it, it, don't don't worry about it, mm-hmm. right? But if you can't get past that, like to me, those are the leaks. Like, you could be there. There are good players that have leaks like that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, we make mistakes too playing daily fantasy. It's, right, it's not course. like everything. Yeah, exactly. Everybody makes mistakes. It's just you're trying to limit those mistakes and you know, and learn from them. That's that's the more important thing. Right, I've made mistakes in MMA before. Mm-hmm. MMA, MMA, I made the most in the beginning and during COVID. I'm going to make unique lineups, and then I make oh, this lineup was duplicated 72 times. Like, how is that? How is that lineup not unique? Like, based on like I'm just looking through, and then now and then I then oh, I'm making unique lineups, and I make like 50, like and like 40 of them are unique, but yeah, it's but like zero win equity. Yeah. No, no, they have win equity, but it's mm-hmm. like it's so like. Like, dude, I, I'm I'm stacking the two biggest underdogs on the same. Like, yeah, if this happens, I could win. But then I also, then some of the lineups have other. Like, it just it just didn't make sense. And it's like I left twenty seven hundred on the table. I'm unique, and it's like, and I have no main event fighters. And like, and I think it was one of the one of the ones where it was like three three five round fights. Oh, okay. And it's like, okay, this did like, well, how did this lineup get in here? Like, I don't even know. Like, this is a, like, like what's the win equity of this lineup? I'm not. How could this possibly score that much? I mean, it can. It's MMA. You never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. But that's that's looking at things objectively. 
Yes. But so many people don't. I mean, the same way that when you're studying, like in Results DB, you're studying winning players, not winning lineups. Nope. So many yeah. people look, mm-hmm. let me take a look at who won first place yeah. and take me a look at the lineup. It's like, no, I want to take a look at Giant Squid's lineups. I want to take a look mm-hmm. at Brick 75's lineups. Like, well, Brick 75, he didn't cash a single goddamn lineup yesterday. <laughs> I want to look at him. Because mm-hmm. if I could duplicate, if 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 Brian would sell me his lineups, 150 yes. <laughs> every day, and I didn't have to do anything, I'd buy him. If he just said, "I'll give it to you this for nothing," it'd be uh, those are the lineups that I would play, and I wouldn't even have to ask any questions. Just give mm-hmm. me his lineups, and then Brian didn't like he could go and go do and go with Pete Overset and go off <laughs> and club yeah. club the, his his fake horses or whatever. <laughs> You can go have fun at his fake race racetrack or whatever without government regulation and have all the fun he wants. <laughs> yeah. But if that's what you would do, <clears throat> isn't that who you should be looking at? Yep. Yeah. No matter if they won or not. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this, you know, I looked at some top players and they played like, oh, they, they played this stack, that stack, and they played three stack this, that scored zero runs and they completely faded the pitcher that scored 50. These guys, like, and then you start, now, one of them may have done that, but if you see a pattern and you see across the board on a lot of, like they tended to make these types of constructions, maybe with slightly different stacks in baseball, right? Right? If you go, but if you see, it's like, oh, if like yet yeah, last night's late, if you thought like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to completely fade class now and stack against them. Like none of the sharp players did that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, like <laughs> no one, like no one did, like you couldn't find someone that did that. Right. Peralta, it, even with the Cubs and Peralta, most people just jammed Peralta, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But I understand if you did, at least it was a little bit less owned. But then mm-hmm. you take a look at like how did how did sharp players treat the A's as chalk, and most play m- most ate a lot of the A's chalk, but faded a lot of the Yankees chalk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right, and faded a lot of the Astros chalk, but they still jammed the A's. Mm-hmm. And then they paired it with a bunch of other stuff. Now, when I say jammed, it's still no more than like 30% or anything mm-hmm. in 150 lineups. Yeah. But now there were some sharp players that did slightly different thing. And a lot of times you could pick them out because if you're mm-hmm. studying players often enough, you yep. know the guys. I know RBX88 is going to be, anytime yeah. I'm going to look at his exposures, it's going to be something that I've never, I would have never possibly board, considered. Yeah. <laughs> right. 80% owned some guy that's 2% owned. And I go, okay. Okay, I guess he, I, I, and you just wonder, you're just wondering, you know, because obviously, like two for two weeks, he, he, he missed out on his PGA lineups. Because sometimes you see that. Sometimes you see, why is everyone 100% owned? And it's like, no, someone had an upload error problem, right? Mm-hmm. So, so and so and missed lock because they were having too much sex, right? <laughs> that was his, that was RBX's excuse. Yeah, yeah, I saw, PGA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But there's some people that are like, and then there's some people that you could tell are, like they just hard, go hardcore on their projections. You always tell because they're very overowned. Like it's like they're playing like a base. They're playing their line. They're playing their portfolio as if it's one lineup. So you'll see guys that like well, they're like they have eighty percent of one stack on a twelve game slate, and it's like they're putting no because they played all of that because it's the highest projected stack, and then they just rotated a whole bunch of stuff. Very high variance, right? Either they win, all their lineups got to go here or go down there. Uh, but based on their projections, that's what they do. And then there's then, then some in between. And there's some that you see that are like very even. Typically like Mach Lovin and Utica mm-hmm. are kind of like, like 
they're playing 12 that they're playing like every every stack they have every some part of right yeah. right a very yeah. diversified everything uh so you you get you'll you get a sense of how certain people play more than others but still you're going to see patterns right you could look at 20 30 40 different players lineups on a single slate and see it's like what types of constructions did i make do i see any of that reflected across all of this and do you see any constructions that you didn't even consider? Like, like you take a look, it's like, I didn't even consider the double stud lineup. Yet it seems like half of them did double stud and went down and paid and paid down for the Tigers. And that's why, and, and then you're thinking to yourself at seven o'clock, why are the Tigers so high owned? Right? And you go, oh, because people are playing double stud pitcher. And maybe you thought the Tigers, maybe you thought the Tigers would be low owned. And you yeah, thought you were going to do that, that as a sneaky thing, and it turns out that all the sharp players did did a lot of those types of lineups. Now, it could have been the right decision for the wrong reason, but at least if you're comparing yourself to good players and not winning lineups, then then you could judge that. But 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 Peter, uh, this sounds fucking boring, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the reason why most people don't do it? Well, no, for, for sure. You know, it, I mean, all the stuff that we're saying, you know, to, to regular people just sounds like it's almost like stupid. It's like, oh, you guys are just flinging things against the wall. You know, I, I'm just studying good players and copying their lineups, you know. And then but throwing I, a lot of I, shit against the right and then not yes. making any de- just doing yeah. things that no one else is doing and just throwing shit against yeah. the wall. I think part of that, it's, I mean, this is just my opinion. It's that part of it is just people want, you know, to to feel smart, you know? I mean, obviously everybody wants to feel good, you know, but people want to feel smart. People want to be able to be like, hey, I picked this out because of X, Y, and Z. This is why I won this, you know? And sometimes, you know, especially for me, it's not, that's not, you know, to me, I don't, I don't know why I won. You know, it, this is what happened. I don't care day. why. I don't exactly. even care why. I won. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I can explain to you why I did the things I did because yeah. of, you know, ownership and leverage and stuff like that. But why the player did well, I really don't care. And that, I think that's the dissonance and the, in the disconnect between, you know, good players and a person who just wants to be good at DFS, but can't get that out of their mindset. Right. When Akil Badu hit that home run mm-hmm. that first day, literally mm-hmm. never heard of him. Yeah. And I had him in two lineups, and I literally, yeah. literally when I saw the home run, I said Akil, but what the fuck's an Akil? But I didn't even know what team he was on. Yeah, right. And yeah. then I look at oh Tiger, oh I have some Tiger stacks. Yeah, and then I looked and I like oh he's he's the ninth hitter on the Tigers, and he happened to fit into two stacks. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Akil Badu. He's the bad guy. Let's go. Like mm-hmm. to normal people, you look at that. How the fuck did you not even know who's in two of your lineups? It's like. Well, the projection yeah. I played the Tigers and did he fit into what 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 else? Especially in baseball, I think I think we say this a lot in baseball because it's so high variance. Mm-hmm. That yes, that type of the, the the whole like throwing shit against the wall type of like whatever fits fits type fits more for baseball than it does yes. for like basketball or football. Yeah, like you're more li- you're more likely to find actual sports reasons on top mm-hmm. of the of the of the opponent reasons. Yes. Well, no one's going to be paying. Everyone's paying up for the Chiefs stack. So this Viking stack, which is, is also expensive, is going to be less owned. But I also know Thielen and Jeffers. I mean, like, I, like they're in a good spot. And, like, you, you get a little bit more football analysis and baseball. Mm-hmm. I suppose a lot of times it's just like, what is everyone going to do? Nope, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and it's yep. just like, and just here's eight stacks. You just take and roll eight stacks. Let's go. Bing. Yep. Yeah. And you just hope that's the night you pick, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, 
to me, it's simple. Simple is better. That's you know when it comes, especially when it comes to baseball. Like I said, you like you said other stuff. You know, an NBA. You know, you're you have to be around till like you know six fifty five to make sure your guy isn't out. But especially for other sports, it's as long as you understand ownership and you understand how to leverage your lineups to make plus EV lineups. That's more important than anything else. You know. Don't spend your time, you know, looking at BVP or, you know, all this other stuff. That's what you should be spending your time on. Right. And then that's when you become successful. Yep. I agree. I mean, yeah. it's over time. That's what that's. Do you bink? I bink. We all bink. At some <laughs> point, you, you're aiming for first place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's, I think that's the, that's, that's the big, that I've always said that's the biggest edge in GPPs. The, if the more people that aim for first place, the less edge there would be. Most yes. people think in terms of the edge and GPP being the dead lineups at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like people playing injured players, postponed games. To me, all the edges in that 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 min cash equity. People yes. playing I'm playing the five three I'm playing the five one 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 with the chalk stack, two chalk pitchers, and three chalk one offs. And it's like to me, I look at that money and I go, that's the dead money. Yeah, I completely agree, especially in the contest I play, you know, because in the contest I play, people aren't going to play injured players. You know, they know what they're going to do, you know, but it's that, you know, they're going to put their, you know, somebody's like, uh, you know, they're they're on a winning streak. They'll put in a lineup. Hey, I'm going to put my cash lineup in here because I want to min cash and I want to turn 333 to 500. And that's not how you win. You know, you're supposed to turn your 333 to 100K by making a good lineup. It doesn't matter what the contest is, you know. Right. Because over time, when you do that, you can actually lose money. Exactly. Mm hmm. Okay, Peter Boston Eagle five on Twitter. Uh, 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 you you every once in a while you have a screenshot. Yeah, yeah, every 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 once, once in a while. In a while. Yeah, I, I try not to screenshot anything too big since the last one, so that's why. Yeah, uh, but every once in a while, yeah. I think I don't think screenshots are bad. Mm-hmm. I just think that overall, if you follow DFS Twitter as a whole, it creates an unrealistic expectation because you see because. On a night that that you bank, I don't, and then someone else. Like if you're following 500 different people, most likely Seems you're gonna like everybody see everybody wins, <laughs> right? Every, someone someone's gonna win on some night, and that's all you're gonna see. It's like oh, all these guys are winning. It's like well, on the night that Awesome wins, you know, Brick 75 has lost all his money, right? I mean, yeah. like like some, one of those 350 maxers. I mean, we see like a hub bro, chunk yardage on Twitter. Always does those analysis of like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the slides like uh the 112 people 150 maxed uh, only eight made money, right? Like mm-hmm. yep. you, and that's life. That's that's right. And the eight people that make money are the ones that came in first, second, and third. I mean, like that's those are the only people that made money. So like I I don't think screenshots are inherently bad, but I think that's that the the roto tracker stuff, like the actual like yes. looking that's at the actual like results yes. over mm-hmm. a long period of time. That's why it's like and anytime. I get into fucking pissing pissing matches on Twitter. Like I, I view myself as like, dude, I post my rotor tracker and my yeah. full results. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm untouchable to yeah. me. I, 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 all I do is I show the truth. Am I trying to win ten billion dollars? No. That's yeah. not yeah. right. Am I a profitable mm-hmm. player? Obviously I am. So that that's all it is. If I ma- if I make fifty thousand this year, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I don't need to bink. You've already made fifty thousand this year. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you that, quit but... the nine to five job? What? When do you uh, quit I mean, the nine to the, five? The, the thing is, I, I don't need to quit it. That's the you know that's that that's what I keep telling people. It's that you know you can still do DFS on the side. You don't right. need twelve hours a day. You know that. that but how do you, you do know? the midday slates? What? Well, do do those the are the days I skip. Yeah, those, you know, you still have to take time for other people. You know, uh, I guess that's that's a little bit of advice I would give. 
always have something else other than DFS. It doesn't have to be another job, you know, but always take a, you know, a jog in the park, you know, a walk with your fiance or something, you know, something else that doesn't keep your mind always on DFS. <laughs> Unless you want to. I mean, well, yeah, well, if you're playing NBA DFS, you can't go on a fucking walk yeah, 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 during yeah, the slate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> NBA DFS. Well, these days, NBA DFS is unplayable. You know, you got well, it's playable. It's just it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boston Eagle Five on Twitter. Peter Lou, you're you're not on. My, have you ever been on a, a podcast or anything? No, I think this is my first one. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, is, yeah. It, this wasn't hard, right? No, no, not not at all. Just fun conversation. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I mean, you you've talked about this before too. I can I can talk this to anybody. Most people aren't just going to listen. That's right, right, exactly. Most people in your life have no care in the world about DFS. So the only mm-hmm. people that we have to talk to is each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. All right. So, it was nice uh, being on. Thank you, Jordan. No problem. Add, and when let me know. Mm-hmm. And tweet okay. out when the, when Add More Funds goes to Discord. Uh, I'm, it should be soon, right? Yeah, Matt's yeah, dealing yeah. with Matt's the top shot. He's doing all these top shot duels. But no, they're going to be worth nothing in a year. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I'm becoming bearish on Top Shot as well. But we'll, Man, we'll I was all—you know me—I yes, <laughs> I started day one day is one. bearish. Yep. I started day, day one. one. Day one, I'm like, I don't even have an account. Someone apparent, someone apparently has an account. Blender, Blender HD. Because <laughs> I got a tweet yesterday. It's like, oh, I see that you sold the job Morant Holo, whatever. I'm like, I don't even have a goddamn account. <laughs> That's not me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be a sucker. I'm not holding any of this shit. Get the fuck out of here. It's like I, I got, I got my, I got my index funds. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking good. <laughs> I'll see you in twenty. I, I, that's what I always say. See you in twenty years. That this one slate mentality, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. And if oh my god, you got to buy the packs and whatever, and and sell in the marketplace and flip and whatever. Like that's like, dude. I'll see you in twenty years, right? Mm-hmm. I'll put my shit. I'll put my shit in index funds. See ya. <laughs> see ya. Yep. I'll, 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 I'll see you. And if you make a lot of money. I'm happy for you. I'm happy. I'll I'll still have a million dollars. I mean, I'll still have plenty of money. So whatever, it's not zero sum. Mm-hmm. So, so you get a bragging right. Oh, look, I have fifty million dollars now. I have five million. I'm happy with five million. That mm-hmm. is that my goal? That's fine, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I have to justify that to to, to you or anyone. Well, no, but, yeah, exactly. As long as you're happy with what your goal is, that's really what I'm what doing. What no one else is doing, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing <laughs> the top shot ownership. It's like right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like everyone's going to chalk, and I'm just like. Nope, nope. I'm, I'm getting my, I'm getting my, uh, my spy, my vu, my, my index funds, and that's it. I'm, <laughs> yep. I'm good with that. So, uh, obviously, a lot of the stuff I talk about in the theory of daily fantasy sports, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. So, if you, if you, if you want all of that, as always, because you're listening to the podcast, you should know this already. So, go to theoryofdfs.com. <laughs>